Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. Uh, just a quick apology for no show last week. Uh, unfortunately, my voice wasn't in the best of condition. So uh, we are back, however, this week. And, well, let's just put it this way. We have a lot of stuff to cover. But uh, first things first, just a reminder, if you guys want to get in on the discussion, you can join the Whispers groups on Facebook by searching for either Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, or sports whispers, depending on if you're into reality TV or sports, uh, join those groups and you can join in on the discussion today. Uh, also, if you guys are interested in subscribing to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by subscribing on any of our major podcast networks, that being iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and so on and so forth. Uh, we will be live for the next two hours before we go into uh, our hour after show, pending we have anything else to talk about, that is. Uh, but I currently have Lou and Diane on the line tonight. Uh, Lou, Diane, how are you two doing? All right, Steve, thank you, and I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, obviously, Lou, I called into your show last week, but, I mean, if you could have heard my voice at around show t- about an hour before showtime last week, I mean, my uh, throat yeah. was absolutely killing me. There was no way I was going to be able to get a show done last week. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And last the full two hours, might I add. So right. I I basically figured, you know, uh, we can we could just basically combine uh, what we're gonna what we were gonna talk about last week into this upcoming uh, into this week's show, and you know I, we have we have quite frankly a whole bunch of stuff to get to. Uh, the World Series just ended with the Texas Rangers yes. winning their first World Series title in franchise history. Uh, we have, of course, the early start to the NHL and NBA seasons to talk about as well, uh, including, yeah. uh, you know, you know, uh, everybody knows I'm a Boston fan. Uh, my Boston Bruins, surprisingly, are looking like the same exact team from last year. Uh, so, you know, is it bad plus, uh, It could possibly be. Um and plus, we also have the NFL trade deadline to discuss as well. Uh, the winners and losers, and in some cases, gigantic losers of yep. the trade deadline. Uh, anybody who follows the Patriots, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, right. But you know what? Let's get started with the NBA because yeah. the NBA has officially started – they're in season tournament, and 
that official that officially began. I think it was yeah. either last night or the night before. Last night. Last night, and I got to I got to tell you, uh, I've seen some horrendous courts. Watching that Chicago yeah. Bulls game nearly made my eyes bleed. You know that too. Nothing, seeing nothing but bright red the entire the entire game. Yeah, like literally, I thought. I thought I was on a fever trip or something or, or, or my eyes were starting to bleed or something like that because uh, that is an ugly red. I don't know Rick what D. they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking uh, when it came to designing the courts for this, uh, for this tournament. Why not just leave the courts the exact same way as they are? It's to make it more, it's to make it more gimmicky than it already, than it already is. I mean, hell, I it up. you know, look, uh, looking at the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the uh, court designs, Lou. I did, I did. But it, it just seems to me like they basically used one single template and yeah. basically a court, uh, uh, like a court, depending on, depending on what team you are, they use a different color. And then right down the middle, they have they have a giant stripe down the middle uh, yes. with the NBA cup and then the logo in the middle, which it's it, it just seems so, it just seems so generic. Yeah. Now some of them actually look pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at them right now. Yeah. The Cleveland court I think looks good. Uh, Chicago's is horrendous. I mean, I don't know what oh, they yeah, were yeah, thinking. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking making it all red. It Although red. I guess you know Chicago's logo is is completely red. Detroit, I don't know what they were smoking with Detroit, making it plainly silver weed. with a red stripe down the middle. They're smoking weed. Ugh. I, I mean, some of these courts are so horrendous looking. I know. Yeah. And uh, the Pelicans, they have a freaking neon court, like almost making you wonder if you're at a rave or something. Uh, kind of the same thing with kind of the same thing with the Knicks too. I mean, the the Knicks court yeah, looks yeah. horrendous as well. Uh, the Suns, yeah. I, I don't think I don't th- have we ever seen a purple court in basketball. Uh, unless it's princes of the game, no. I mean, like a primarily purple court. I don't think we've ever seen one until now with uh, with the yeah. Phoenix Suns having a complete purple court. San Antonio, they purple went eight. teal for some reason. Teal? Yeah, they went teal. Utah, they went light purple. But I can understand okay. Utah because Utah because Utah's uh, one of their colors is purple, so I can understand that. Okay. Uh, I mean Phoenix. I would I would I would have thought Phoenix would have gone orange if we're going if we're if we're talking random colors. Uh, I would have thought that Phoenix would have gone orange. But 
Uh, anyways, we do have the in-season tournament currently underway, and uh, just some standouts from the early games. And also, uh, it is worth noting as well that these games will officially count towards the regular season standings, I believe. Yeah. Except for the uh, however, game itself. What was that, Lou? Except for the so-called championship game on the 9th of December. In actuality, right. some teams are actually playing 83 games this year, not 82. Right. Yeah, that's right. Except except for the uh, except for that uh, for the for the championship game. Yeah, obviously. Well, uh, otherwise, the WNBA does this as well because they have something called the Commissioner's Cup, and they do that during the season as well. So it may be a new concept in the NBA, but um, it's not you know new to basketball itself. And they're they're trying to model it like you know they did for like the European uh, leagues, you know, like the uh, the Euro Cup for basketball, the Euro League Cup for basketball. Uh, like the FA Cup for soccer and whatnot. So that's what they're trying to model after. Right, yeah. I, I kind of figured that they were trying to model it mainly after soccer because we see it in yeah. MLS all the time. And also we see it, we see it overseas in European soccer as well. So, um, yeah, and, and, the Euro, and the Euro Cup in basketball, the Euro League. Right. The Euro League. Right. So uh, – we did have uh, a couple, uh, about a handful of games already take place, uh, starting with yesterday's games. Uh, I figure I'd run them down, uh, run them down here. Uh, in East Group A, we had the Indiana Pacers open up with a 121 to 116 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Donovan Mitchell with 38 points, a near double double. Uh, in the loss for Cleveland. Miles Turner with a near double-double as well with 27 points in the win for Indiana. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks with a 110-105 to victory in Group B over the New York Knicks. Uh, 110, yeah, 110-105. to Jalen Brunson putting up 45 points in the loss for the Knicks. Not bad for a loss, but I think I think the more worrying thing, uh, if you're a Knicks fan, is the fact that Julius Randle, Julius Julius Randle, just isn't seeming to bother at all on defense. No, and we only shot 39 percent from the line, and we're atrocious from the three for um, you know a three point line. I mean that you're not doing games if you keep missing shots like that. You will not. Because let me right. let me 20, um, only t- let me re- thirty nine. Let me reiterate on that one. Anyway. Yeah. So only, here's how it went. only. Uh... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, because you know, I was you know looking at the stats this morning after after catching some of the game last night. Of course, I think some nuts about this, but so you know, I mean, you kept it close. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been like a like a. 50-point game or whatever. Like, you know, I started the Celtics on Wednesday night. Oh, boy. Which was bad enough as it is. But, right. um, but the shoot, but the um, three-point shooting, you know, was just, you know, horrific at that. You know, you're not going to win a game where you're only 39% shooting and um, 10 for 39 from the from three-point range. 
He will not win games. I mean, it could have been a lot worse than that. You're lucky you only lost by five points. I mean, because otherwise it would have been a long, a long night. But that was just you know, one of the, atrocious. One of the things that makes me wonder is why didn't Thibodeau throw Evan Fournier out there, considering yeah. the fact that they were struggling from three, and Fournier's specialty is the three-point shot. Why didn't they just why didn't, why didn't they just take a gamble and throw Fournier out there? Yeah, he wasn't thinking, was he? I don't know. It just seemed, really kind, of, it seemed kind of odd to me. Uh, but, you know, granted, I guess, I guess it's because Fournier has technically fallen out of Thibodeau's uh, rotation. So, uh, however, I mean, he was electric during the preseason, so I – you know, I, I guess yeah. I guess I just don't get what uh, what New York's uh, game plan is this season when it comes to their lineups. Yeah. However, I do think. Uh, remember what I said about Milwaukee when they acquired Damian Lillard, that they were That's trading it. away defense. They were trading away defense for offense. And I kind of think this was the case here, and that's what allowed New York to stay in the game. The fact that uh, one one would one would possibly say that if Milwaukee had uh, Drew Holiday, that oh, maybe yeah. perhaps that gap is wider than five. Right. Is that is Drew Holiday any good? <laughs> uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is indeed. Okay. He is a uh, he's a very def- he's a very defensive player. Like if if you've seen Marcus Smart play uh, pr- when when he was with the Boston Celtics, oh. think of think of Marcus Smart but with better shooting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's basically what Drew Holiday is uh, in the in the NBA and what he is now for the Boston Celtics. Uh, mm-hmm. But. But still, though, you know, the Knicks, I – they have a problem right now with Julius Randle. They have a real big problem, the fact that he uh, – and he got ripped by Barstool Sports earlier today because of his lack of uh, – his lack of defense, his, his, his right. unwillingness to show any sort of effort defensively. Uh, which helped lead Milwaukee to that win. But uh, moving on to some other games, uh, the Golden State Warriors with a 141 to 139 slim victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Chet Holmgren with 24 point with 24 points and eight rebounds in the loss for Oklahoma City. Uh, Steph Curry. 30 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, flirting a little bit with a triple-double. Uh, but the Warriors remain the Warriors, essentially. That's, I think that's the, that's the one way that we can sum up that, uh, that we can sum up that team. Even if they undergo changes, no matter how little they might be, they're still the Golden State Warriors. Uh, yeah. The one thing, though, I don't know about you, Lou, but the one thing that kind of – irks me a little bit is the fact that it's so weird watching Chris Paul come off of the bench. That is weird. Well, there's a first time for everything. I mean, I know that 
He hasn't done that. And that, that was a little surprising. But, you know, now that, you know, his age and, you know, with um, how he's done, uh, I, I suppose that had to happen. But I think a lot of fans uh, were surprised by that because, you know, no one's ever seen him off the bench before, you know, his career. Right. And uh, these, I mean, these last two games off of the bench haven't been kind to him. He only had like one point last night, uh, which was off of a. Which, Is he yeah, not that good of a player? Point. No, he's a very good player, but uh, you know, as, as you know, as players age, you know, they start to diminish. But I think it's going to be diminished like that. I mean, one point. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean. <laughs> He used to be he used to be a multi time a multi time all star. Uh, yeah, Diane. yeah, he was at one point at one point he was one of the one of the best players in the league. Uh, but then again, this is his. I think this is what his nineteenth season, eighteenth, nineteenth season. Yes. So, I mean, he's been he's been around the block uh, quite a bit. Uh, so yeah. far, I mean, well, he, this, his numbers are. Let's put it this way. He's 39 years old, but 38 in basketball years, you know, in human years, that's like about, uh, let's say about uh, 62 in basketball years. Let's put it that way. Okay. Right. How do you make basketball years? Because generally you age uh, every three years every year you play. That's what yeah, I mean, just just put it like this. Basically, what Lou's saying is that he's he may be thirty eight, but the way he the way he handles the ball, the way uh, like he's not as fast or as precise as he used to be. Uh, yeah. He's basically playing as if he was sixty two years old, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Like his numbers say, are way down compared to what they used to be. Yes. Right. Yeah. So he is a good guy. Uh, like like he said, he was one of the best players in the league. Unfortunately, he never won a title. But you know, as you know, you as you progress and get past the age of thirty and been around for so long, you know, you start to deteriorate. Does it mean that he sucks? No. But you know, he's past his prime. And eventually, all players right. who've been around that long, yes, you eventually do pass your prime. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other some other scores some other scores in this tournament. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets with a one hundred nine to one hundred seven slim victory over the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Zach Levine with twenty four points and seven rebounds in the loss to, for Chicago, while Cam Thomas was the lead scorer for Brooklyn, seventeen points, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, the Miami Heat get back in the win column with a 121 to 114 victory over the Washington Wizards. Tyler Harrow with uh, just one assist shy of a triple-double with 24 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. And Tao Kuzma, 22 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists in the loss for the Wizards. Uh, The Portland Trailblazers. Fresh off of a double-double from Malcolm Brogdon, 24 points, 10 assists, uh, take home a 115-113 to victory over the Memphis Grizzlies in overtime. Uh, Desmond Bain flirted with a triple-double as well in this game, 33 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. And the Denver Nuggets with a 125-114 to victory over the Dallas Mavericks 
with Nikola Jokic, one assist away from a triple-double, 33 points, 14 rebounds, nine assists. And Luka Doncic, uh, two assists away from a triple-double with 34 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists in the loss for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, we do have, uh, as far as earlier today, we do have some finals right now uh, to report. First, the Philadelphia 76ers, which there's an important story that we will get to here in just a little bit with Philly. Uh, 112 to 100 victory for the 76ers off of a Joel Embiid double-double, 26 points, 11 rebounds. Kevin Durant with 31 points, 8 rebounds in the loss for the Phoenix Suns. And the Atlanta Hawks with a 123-105 to victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Trey Young with a double-double, 22 points, 12 assists. And Zion Williamson led the way for the New Orleans Pelicans with 25 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists. Uh, games that are currently in progress. Uh, just going to read off the scoreline. Uh, the Orlando Magic with a 113 to 97 lead over the LA Lakers, uh, with about four minutes to go. Also, about four minutes to go in Indiana, the Indiana Pacers trail the Charlotte Hornets by two, 118 to 116. Uh, about nine minutes remaining in the third quarter. The Minnesota Timberwolves with a slim 59-58 to lead over the Utah Jazz. The Houston Rockets with a six-point lead over the Sacramento Kings, 64-58, to with about 8.20 to go in the third quarter. At the half, the Boston Celtics lead the Brooklyn Nets, 70-58. to uh, And this one in the first quarter... With about four minutes to go there in the first quarter, the Denver Nuggets with a 19-14 to lead over the Chicago Bulls. Now, if we take a look at where the standings are right now, granted it's very early on in the season, so still a lot to, uh, a lot, a lot to uh, sift through here. Uh, but yeah. the, Eastern Conference, the Eastern Conference playoff picture is as follows. Uh, the Boston Celtics in the number one seed, the Philadelphia 76ers in the number two seed. Uh, goes to show that at least so far the Nick Nurse experiment is working real well for Philly. Uh, yes. The Atlanta Hawks uh, in the third seed with a, with a four and two record. Then from seeds four through seven, we have the Indiana Pacers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Orlando Magic, all with three and two records. Uh, then seeds eight through ten, uh, with two and four records, we have the Miami Heat, the Detroit Pistons, and the New York Knicks. And actually, technically, uh, seeds eleven and thirteen also have a two and four record. Uh, that being the Cavaliers, the Bulls, and the Raptors, and obviously right. the Hornets. The Hornets at one and three, and then the Wizards are dead last at one and four in the Eastern Conference. Uh, over in the West, we have a tie for the top seed with the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets, uh, both at five and one. In the number three seed, the Dallas Mavericks at four and one, followed by the New Orleans Pelicans in the number four seed at four and two. Then we have a three-way tie for seeds five through seven 
with the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Clippers, and the San Antonio Spurs, all with three and two records. Uh, then a two-way tie for seeds eight and nine with the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Sacramento Kings with two and two records. And the Portland Trailblazers at number 10 with a three and three record, also tied with Oklahoma City, who also has a three and three record. But um, uh, Oklahoma City currently right now sits on the outside looking in. Yeah. Uh, they are the Thunder, the Oklahoma City Thunder okay. that used to be, they used to be the uh, Seattle. Yeah. Supersonics. Supersonics, that's what it is. It's been, it's been a while. Okay. So, uh, it's, been, it's been a while. I, I, I've, I've forgotten yeah. exactly uh, exactly what they were in the, uh, the early Kevin Durant uh, year. But, uh, sure. Lou, just – just looking at the start of the season, I mean, obviously it's only been five or six games played so far, but uh, what has stood out? What has stood out to you the most so far early on this NBA season? Wembyana is the real deal so far. I mean, he's living up to the hype. I mean, he had a slow start in preseason, but he is really coming along. I mean, he scored 39 points uh, in game recently. He, he signed on last night, so uh, you know, I think I think um, you know this year's hot draft pick, you know, is has been the smart has been a smart. Knicks need a little bit of work, you know, especially on off, on um, on defense. So they got to watch it. They're off to a slow start right now. Not too really, not too really impressed. Celtics, you know, of course, are the Celtics, and they're you know making a case for uh, being the top team this year in the East so far. Although right now uh, they're in a battle with the Nets right now, so uh, that could change by night. And of course, uh, the West is you know probably going to be the uh, stronger conference again. Uh, this year, so it really is. It's looking, you know, kind of similar to last year. But I'm just hoping that the uh, East can be a little bit more competitive. Because uh, I'm not liking the bottom half. I'm not liking the bottom half of um, of the Eastern Conference uh, right now. No, I wouldn't like it. If I if I was a uh, if I was a Knicks fan, I wouldn't be liking it one bit. Uh, yeah, a couple of things have stuck work. out to me. Yeah. What is that, Lou? Well, well, it pertains to hockey, but I'll get to, I'll get to that a little bit in a little bit because if you want to talk about a team that is atrocious right now, oh boy, have I got one for you? Oh yeah, we do, we do also have a uh, we do have a story as well to talk about in hockey, uh, gruesome. Yes, yes. Uh, but we will get to that Very in just true. a minute here. Uh, but uh, my my takeaways uh, so far from granted it's obviously very early on in the season. Uh, Celtics are as advertised. The Sixers current clearly the Nick Nurse uh, experiment is working so far with Philly. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by the Miami Heat though, uh, considering it, you know the loss of Max Struess must be must be really uh, really heavy on Miami. Their losses that yeah. they had in in free agency, uh, you know, people who we thought were role players on that team, maybe perhaps they were more than role players because Miami, yeah. they're they currently have a disastrous start. To, well, I wouldn't say disastrous, but subpar start to their season so far. Right. Um, right. 
you could say the same thing too with the Cavaliers when you consider what the Cavaliers, yeah. uh, where the Cavaliers were last year. Uh, let's see. Some some other surprises, you know, Sacramento two and two. Uh, obviously, you know we can't expect that Sacramento is gonna is gonna repeat exactly what they did last year. But uh, well, the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Suns, despite all of their moves that they did, getting Kevin Durant. Uh, granted, they got rid of DeAndre Ayton as well, but two and four record to start off the year, and the Memphis Grizzlies are 0-6 without John Morant yeah. to start off the season. Good mother of God. Yeah. You lose. Well, without him, they, without Morant, I don't think the Grizzlies are going to go very far anyway, so that's not a surprise. No, but mm-hmm. I mean, this you, lose, you, you lose Morant. Well, it's it's kind of funny, Diane, actually, because the Grizzlies actually played better last season without Morant. Hmm. Really? Wow. But but you lose Dylan Brooks to Houston, and you bring in Marcus Smart, and yet you're off to an zero and six record to start the year. Yeah. I mean that right there. Uh, those right there are some of my big surprises. And also, I mean, Wembenyama, you know, he's definitely uh, living up to the hype so far early on as a rookie, 20.6 points per game, eight rebounds per game. Uh, you know, he's basically built uh, – he, he's as advertised right now. Uh, but obviously, you know, very early on in the season. Uh, let's bring in Alex. Uh, Alex, we've been talking about the start of the NBA season and also not to mention, uh, they're currently doing the in season. They're starting the in season tournament, which if anybody saw Chicago's game last night, good God, does that court make your eyes bleed? Uh, what are your, what are your early thoughts, Alex, on, uh, on this early season? Yes. I I just caught the feeling that you talk about the Grizzlies. A lot of people aren't, are forgetting that they're also missing uh, their anchor, their defensive uh, anchor, uh, Stephen Adams, the big Aussie. Yeah. So, yeah, they, no John Morant, no Stephen Adams. Dylan Brooks, I mean, he's a pretty – a guy you can easily despise, pretty controversial guy, but he was kind of a defensive – really badass. He was a big part of their defensive identity. So they're missing Durant – or, sorry, Morant, Adams, and Brooks, three-fifths of their lineup. So I thought they could go all the way last year on the Morant. Suspension really crushed them, and now, yeah, the Blazers are three and three. They they beat the Grizzlies last night in overtime, so that was a pretty cool win. But yeah, overall, I think the Suns are going to take a little time. Uh, Booker and Beal have been injured on and off, obviously, and uh, you know they're still gelling. They have, I guess, three new starters in Nurkic, so they're they're getting they're off to a slow start. I want to be honest; it's been a good surprise so far. He's coming along nicely. They've beaten the, the Spurs have beaten the Suns twice with their rookie center already. Um, yeah, I think the Sixers. I, I meant I heard what you guys said about them. I think it's a classic case of addition by subtraction. They don't have the headache around. They don't have James Harden, his drama and BS around. So they're they're actually better without him. And now they have guys, you know, playing smart and playing unselfishly around Embiid instead of kind of just a chemistry killer and Harden. So they're I think they they're better now. They have less drama. So I think they're going to be there. Uh, this, it's like you said, Steve. It's it's like the, like our hockey talk last week. It's just. We love talking about standings, but it's so early. So much can change. But, yeah, I mean, right. um, 
it just I think Philly's a little, a little better off now, and yeah, Celtics look really good. Nets have been pretty pretty darn good. It's just with the injuries and and people getting used to their new lineups, it's just it could be so much different in like two or three weeks from now. But yeah, those are a couple that I agreed with a lot of your guys' observations already. Uh, this just in from uh, the, from Major League Soccer, the New York Red Bulls have been eliminated by FC Cincinnati in penalty uh, kicks. Wow. Uh, FC Cincinnati uh, wins the penalty kicks eight to seven, so Ooh. they officially eliminate uh, the New York Red Bulls from uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs in the first round. Yeah, no surprise. Wow. Uh, but uh, speaking of James Harden, yeah, we got to talk about that. Uh, huge trade went down. Uh, I think it was I think it was reported at what two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning or something. Uh, yes, the Seventy Sixers uh, trading James Harden, Philip Petruzev, and PJ Tucker to the LA Clippers for Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, KJ Martin a unprotected first-round pick in 2028, two second-round picks, as well as a pick swap. And they also get one of the Oklahoma City picks, uh, one of the Oklahoma City first-round picks. So technically two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a first-round pick swap as well, Uh, as well as all those players. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is a lot, but I, you know, I think the question is, did they get enough, or could they have gotten more for that package? When you consider, when you consider the offensive, uh, the offensive ability of Harden, the defensive ability of PJ Tucker, I mean, that's mainly the main reason why uh, Philly even got Tucker to begin with. Uh, But I'm surprised, honestly, that there were more players added in on Philly's side. So, I mean, let's start, let's start off with you, Lou. What are your thoughts on uh, on James Harden to the Clippers? And do you think Philly got enough in return? No, yeah, I think Philly got more than they bargained for. That's an awful lot that, you know, they got. The question is, how long is Harden going to stay? Because you know how he's been over the past few years, that if one thing goes wrong, one he doesn't like, you know, he's ready to bolt out. So let's just see, you know, if this is just going to be another – you know, hype up trade thinking, well, I thought I'd like to hear, but I really don't give a cat's ass, and uh, we're going to move on to something else. I mean, although he did say that preferred team was the Clippers, but you know how hardened uh, Eagles can be. You know, wanted to go to Dallas, they wanted to go to the Nets, then the Philly, you know. He's just not, he's just not a very satisfied player, wherever he, wherever he goes. So, while well, he got what he wanted now, and seeing that the uh, Sixers got a lot, Let's just see how what um, Harden thinks uh, towards um, as the season, as the season goes on. My guess is he'll, he'll be uh, ticked off by Christmas. <laughs> you know that would not surprise me. I mean, when you take a look at that, I mean, you take take a look at that roster to begin with. How yeah. the hell is a starting four of Harden, Westbrook, Leonard? and Paul George going to coexist when you have four players who all play iso ball. Yeah. They're going to explode and implode. It's drama central. Right, so central be no defense, ball hogging. Oh, yeah, yeah that's going to be – that's combustible right there. That's, that's 
hide the mask. That's going to blow up eventually. Keep the children. Keep the children. Am I laughing? Because they're laughing. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of offense, but the problem is there's a lot of offensive firepower. But the problem is, is uh, Harden plays no defense. Brooke, I don't think plays any defense. Nope. Uh, Nope. You know, obviously Kawhi Leonard uh, defense was one of his specialties in uh, in San Antonio and in Toronto. Uh, Paul George. I think Paul George is more of an offensive type player as as opposed to defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's like I said, the 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 main problem is all these guys all play ISO ball, which you know basically they're they're the primary ball handler in that in that scenario. Which you know, I right. just, I don't know. Uh, he won't want to play that way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, you're not going to win any games by playing just ISO ball. You got to, you know, yeah. there's yeah. got to be teamwork involved. You got to involve the whole team, uh, and not, also not just that, but now this takes away from the development of Terrence Mann, who you know developed into quite the shooter last year for LA, and now with Harden yeah. coming in, it, it basically takes away his minutes. Well, what what are your thoughts, Alex? Do you think uh, do you think Philly got uh, got enough in return for a player like Harden and also uh, Tucker? Yeah, I thought the addition of Westbrook was going to be too much, and then they added Harden. It's just like I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work long term. Yeah, it's. It, it almost seems like this like, like this team is ripe to combust. A lot of egos, yeah, and and, and they're getting older too. I mean, in, in pro sports and basketball years, they're old. So, oh yeah, young, hungry teams yeah. are going to be able to outrun them. They're not going to play defense, like you said. I mean, it's like a two K lineup. They don't have. They're, they're just all offense. People are going to. There's going to be in house fighting if some one or two of those guys aren't shooting the ball enough. Uh, good luck to them. Yeah, yeah that turns out. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at you take a look at their ages. Westbrook and Harden are both thirty four. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is thirty two. Paul George is thirty three. PJ Tucker is thirty eight. PJ Tucker is probably is probably on on the retirement line or close to it. Uh, so you know it's. It just it seems like there's it seems like they're basically gambling on maybe perhaps everything will click with this foursome, which I, I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, you know, thinking that all these guys are going to be able to be a cohesive unit. Harden hasn't even played a single game yet. He's still trying to he's still trying to get out of his fat suit from uh, from Philly. Definitely yeah. in a strip club right now, Which, or at an, at an all-you-can-eat buff, all buffet inside a strip club. Is that one of the two or both? Yeah, I mean that guy's gonna be. I, I, sorry, they're they're almost they're asking for trouble bringing him in. It's just too much. I, I don't see how it's gonna work out, but it'll be entertaining for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and plus now you stunt the growth of Terrence Mann too. Yeah, 
So uh, needless to say, you know, I, I think it was a horrible addition. Uh, you know, screw what Harden wants. He should have just done – you know, you should you should have just done what what was best for the team. Now, granted, maybe perhaps this was their best offer that they could have gotten. Possibly, it is possible that this is the best offer they could have gotten. Which, if, in that yeah. case, uh, ultimately, I mean, when you think about it, it's three first round picks essentially. Even though one of them is a pick swap, it is technically yeah. three first round picks. Uh, you know, Nicholas two Patel. second round picks and a bunch of players. Batum, Nick Batum's older from France, France, former Blazer, but I mean he's he's a good role player. I mean Philly's just kind of kind of get smarter. PJ Tucker was a good role player too, with defense, yeah. carrying the ball like a good teammate. But I think and then it's really allowing it's handing over the keys to um, Maxi, the Sixers' young guard has looked incredible. So he looks more than capable right. of replacing Harden without all the headaches. Yeah, you know, I most I mostly think if anything that this trade was more about the picks than it was the players. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't think there's a market for Harden. People are sick of him around the league. I, I think it was like, get me to LA. I don't think no one else besides LA wanted him. So Philly could t- really took what they could get for him. He's just burned so many bridges. A lot of teams don't want him around. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's it's unfortunate, but. Uh, you know, it's it, – it, I, 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 just, I just think that, uh, you know, teams have seen how, how you've tried to form super teams with James Harden, and it just hasn't worked, period. And, I mean, the only time they were ever close was in Oklahoma City when it was him, Durant, and Westbrook. That was literally wow. the closest they've ever been to an NBA championship with uh, uh, any team with Harden. And they were just – they were so young, and then one by one they all left to seek bigger, greener pastures, right. bigger cities, bigger spotlights. Oh, we're not seeing them. They all left one by one. They probably, If they'd stuck there, they probably would have gotten a ring because they were all in the prime back then. Now it's just like <laughs> every few months they, they want to pick a new team, and they're getting older. No rings yeah. for any of them. I, think, I mean, Kyrie got one, but whatever. Oh, sorry, not Kyrie. Uh, did any have any of the three Durant? Of course, he rode the coattails of Curry and Clay, so he yeah. kind of tagged along for a ring with Golden State. But Arden Westbrook, I don't right. think they're going to get one. No, I uh, at this point I highly doubt it. Um, well, actually, no. Wait a minute. Let me see. When did West was Westbrook still in 2020? Was he still on uh, Houston, or where was he in 2020? I can look it up real quick. Uh, he was he was with Washington. Yeah, he was yeah. between Houston and he was between Houston and Washington. So okay, yeah, uh, he wouldn't have uh, you know that if he was with the Lakers that year, that would have been his one opportunity at a title, or his last yeah. opportunity technically. Now, as a result of this trade, uh, the Sixers ended up waiving uh, veteran uh, guard Danny Green uh, after they acquired all those players. Uh, but so it looks like it looks like basically I don't know if Green has signed with anybody yet, but uh, he could be had for cheap, basically, um, depending on what contender is is interested in signing him. 
uh, moving forward here. Wow, Celtics, Celtics Nets right now, Steve, and, and guys dying and live. That, wow, Nets are within three right now, coming up, coming back yeah. against the Celtics. Interesting. Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. Yeah. I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing it right now uh or following it right now I should say uh some of the some of the box scores for that game Tatum uh he's the youngest Celtic to hit 10,000 points in a career no. uh with 23 points so far tonight uh Kristaps Porzingis with 19 Brown with 16 Holiday with 15 and then you got uh, Hauser with five off the bench, Brissett with three, and Cornette with six. Uh, also, uh, what's the name? Derek White missed tonight's game due to the birth of his second child. So, um, yeah, he is. Otherwise, otherwise, uh, there's only been two games that he has missed in his entire NBA career, and that was uh, for the birth of both of his children. Good reason to not show up for work. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, early on, I will say a few, two teams that I, that I think are coming are going to be eventually. You know, they're young and full of talent. We've been waiting for a while for them, but Chet Holmgren's back to the Thunder. They've looked pretty good so far, and then the Magic just rocked the the Lakers. The Magic, all those number one picks, man, they're they're healthy. Um, those are two teams I think really young that could finally get in the playoffs. That's 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 another observation I had early on so far. Oh, definitely. There, there is, there is the possibility. Just a couple of young teams uh, there, getting there, there is the next step now. Yeah, but um, we'll see. What do you guys think about the Knicks so far? They've been kind of, kind of good and bad, and Brunson's yeah. still awesome. Not having, I have you right now. I say that. We'll see. It's gonna be a fun season. Well, they'll put it th- put it this way: Julius Randle. Uh, Julius Randle seems very disinterested in playing any kind of defense whatsoever. Pouting again. Yeah, bad Julius is uh, yeah. resurfaced. Yeah, he's moody blues, man. He's he's happy and then pissed, uh, upset every other week. It looks like uh, he's, he's disenchanted again. Brunson's a baller, man. I, uh, I this... They might be tough. They're, they're aggressively, I guess they're trying to get Embiid. But Philly's doing really well, so they're not moving them. But they're offering like most of their roster for Embiid. Right. That's what I was hearing. Yeah, that Everyone ain't happening. Front. No. That I don't think you can happening. move a franchise. The only in. way. I don't. The only way they could get him. The only way they could even have a shot at Embiid is if Brunson was in the deal. That's the only shot that they would have. Yeah. Yeah, Knicks are holding on to him. So, uh, they, they want. They want that Brunson and Embiid duo, but that's going to be really hard to get. I, I I I agree with you. I mean, I don't see how the heck the Sixers would move Embiid. One of the best centers. So, um, I wouldn't move. Him. This just uh, this just went final out of Detroit. The Detroit Red Wings with a five to four victory over the Boston Bruins, uh, handing Boston Ooh. their first regulation loss of the season through eleven games. Wow. <laughs> yep. Um, coming out hot. Boston's been great so far. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, we'll uh, we'll talk about Boston in just a minute. Uh, but we do have uh, some very unfortunate news uh, to report coming out of the UK. Uh, former Pittsburgh Penguin Adam Johnson 
tragically passed away in a uh, very freak accident, maybe potential murder uh, on the ice after getting his throat cut by the skate of Matt Petgrave, uh, who is currently being investigated by UK's parliament for his role in the incident. Uh, Johnson was a two-season veteran of the NHL uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And former, this even had former NHL players Chris Carrion and Mark Methot, uh debating whether or not the incident was intentional uh, on Twitter. Uh, Carrion, of course, is a longtime Philadelphia Flyer, and Mark Methot is a longtime member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Ottawa Senators, and Dallas Stars. Uh, now, for anyone who is who is wondering, I hope to God you didn't see the video because I unfortunately happened to see the video and uh, let's just say that there seemingly was a little bit of a distinct kicking motion. Now, granted, uh, granted, I should add, it looked like, it looked like he was kind of knocked off balance, but uh Basically, basically, what happened is Petgrave was knocked into. However, it kind of seemed like the hit was – it wasn't a hit that would knock him as off balance as it appeared to be, as his skate then went up in the air and tragically sliced the throat of Adam Johnson, uh, who passed away – uh, later on in the later on in the hospital. Uh, however, I mean that I I, I just ugh. for the amount yeah. of blood that was that was on the ice. That's that's worse than the Richard Zednick incident. That's worse than the Buffalo oh. goaltender incident. Yes. Oh, terrible. Tragic. I mean. Let's start with you on this one, Lou. Uh, do you think that Matt Petgrave uh, should face any sort of uh, should face any any sort of uh, of action for? I don't know how to I don't know how to even how to even uh, call it. You're thinking was of an attempted murder? No. No, I don't think he had any intention to go out and kill him. You know, it's like a freak accident that happened. I mean, you know, it's very rare that, you know, I mean, you do get injuries, you do get concussions, you do get slammed to the boards, and you get, like, concussions and stuff. But, you know, this was just a freak accident, and this how, you know, he just suddenly died from his injuries. But I don't think that he, that he should be, you know, charged for attempted murder. I don't think the intent, I don't think there was no intent to kill. I mean, I mean let's, be, let's be reasonable here. Uh, also, it is worth noting that former NHL player Sean Avery, who is uh, most notable, he's no stranger to, uh, you know, to incidents happening on the ice. Uh, he appeared on Fox News uh, on October 30th, and he said that he believes that Petgrave was absolutely trying to make contact with Johnson, but that he didn't wake up with the intention of, quote-unquote, murdering somebody today. 
the host of the show called Pat Grave a dirty player and went far went as far as to suggest that the kick was a homicide, to which Avery asserted that although Petgrave didn't intend to kill Johnson, the kick did look intentional. Mm-hmm. And also, and also, it's it's worth mentioning too that in the league that they play in, Petgrave was the most penalized player in that league last season. Wow. And also, it it says here that the team called the play a freak accident. But English police are currently investigating what looks like a potential murder on the ice. Wow. So, in other words, you think there was a vendetta against him? Honestly, I don't know. But, I mean, if you have somebody like Sean Avery, who is no stranger to con- to controversy, making yeah. comments on this, if he for, – for as dirty of a player as Sean Avery was – if he's uh, thinking that this was, um, you know, obviously, you know, nobody, you know, nobody wakes up with the intention to commit murder. But uh, if if he believes that this was intentional, then it probably was intentional. If you have somebody like Sean Avery believing it is. The guy had a the guy led the league in penalty minutes, too. That's not a good history. Yeah. That's not no. helping that guy's uh, vision of portraying himself as being innocent. I mean, he's got a huge history of being a goon, really. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't – hopefully – I don't know. Someone died. I, hopefully he wasn't trying to do it. But if it seems like he was, he might be in some hot water here. Yeah, it could be. But I don't know if any player would, you know, would go out and potentially kill I mean, like in boxing, you know, they do beat each other, but you think they even intend to kill? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just – you know, the spur is brutal and you're going to get your ass kicked. So I don't think, you know, still the same way. I don't, you know, maybe to hurt him, yes, but to kill him, no. And also it doesn't, what what doesn't help things too is that Matt Petgrave uh, has been getting racist, uh, racist comments as a result of this well, because okay. of him being black and Adam Johnson, of course, being white. Um, but I mean, I gotta tell you, I've seen, I've seen accidents happen before, uh, involving, I mean, everybody, everybody has of course seen the Richard Zednick incident. Everybody has seen the incident or most people have seen the incident involving the, uh, Buffalo Sabres, uh, goalkeeper all the way so many years back. Um, I gotta tell you. I do kind of agree with Avery. It does look like there's a kicking motion. Because I've seen players get knocked off balance. When you get knocked off balance, you don't kick your skate while it's in the air. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's intentional. That's a lethal weapon, too, man. Those blades are sharp, obviously. Duh. So it's like. Yeah, if you're making that motion, that's that can be manslaughter. I mean, if you someone dies, and you meant to make that motion, uh, that's a that's a pretty much a lethal weapon. I, doesn't sound good for this guy. He could be facing some charges. And now, as a result of this, uh, the AHL and the NHL, uh, it looks like at least the AHL has done it so far, where teams are making players wear neck guards as a result of this, 
And it sounds the like idea. that the NHL, the NHL might be uh, on the verge of doing this as well, according to uh, according to well-known uh, to, to people on Twitter. Uh, I should I say people, but I should say hockey analysts on Twitter yeah. that are well connected within the league. Could be easily done. It has to be done. I mean, it's it's like it has to. under your padding, almost like wearing a turtleneck. It just com- comes up right yeah, under your padding. Don't, don't want Especially with tech- technology now, like it's not going to impact their ability to make awesome plays. It's not going to slow anyone down or really impede anyone on the ice. It's it's a piece of equipment that can easily be added without hurting the game at all. It's going to protect the players. So instead of the NHL waiting for this to happen on their in their in their country. I mean, everyone, every league should have it. I think, especially after this. Now, they really got to get it done. Got to protect. What are your thoughts, Lou? Yeah, I mean, I was agreeing. I was agreeing just, you know, what Alex was saying about that. Yeah, involving involving the next card. You know, you need you need to protect your players, and you know, you need to, you know, with, with the equipment. You know, I, th- I think it's going to be an idea, and it should have been done a long time ago. I mean, because we don't want to see things like this happen again. I mean, yeah. it's often that, you know, players do get injured and whatnot, and do suffer, like, you know, concussions, hand injuries. But how often do you see it happen where somebody actually dies from their injuries, you know, in any of the, in any of the sports? I mean, the same thing that happened to Damar Hamlin back in January, you know, when he got injured, and there were reports that he did die. So they really have to, you know, I think – very serious precautions and um, with new equipment and, you know, the necessary equipment so that we don't see anything this happen again. You know, because it's very, right. it, that'd be very tragic for the sport to have a player die of an injury while on the ice or on the field or whatever the case may be, because that is the last thing we need to see. Exactly. I mean, we, you know, we've seen, we've seen freak accidents happen like it in the past with Richard Zednick and whatnot, but, uh, you know, we've never seen it happen like this where somebody has died. Uh, You could essentially say that he died on the ice because, I mean, he lost – if anybody were to have seen that video, he lost a tremendous amount of blood. More than than, uh, accidents like that uh, have, have lost previously. Right. Um, but you know, going going into uh, the world of the NHL, we did also have another accident happen uh, about a week ago, where Boston Bruins forward Jacob Lauko almost lost his eye on oh, the wow. ice during the middle of a game where he caught a skate right to the face. They got to do something about it. It just mattered. Yeah, they got to don't let it happen. Terrible enough it happened across the pond. It can't happen on the ice in, in the NHL. They got to put these. They got to do something about this immediately. I really feel that way. Now, yeah. Now, now, luckily, luckily for Lauko though, the skate did miss his eye. Uh, it landed. It landed just on the uh, just on the outside uh, of his uh, of his eye. So. Luckily, luckily, it just missed, but still, it could have been worse. Uh, he is currently on injured reserve for the Boston Bruins, uh, but it is retroactive to the 24th of October, so he could be activated. He could be reactivated even tonight if they decided to. 
good that he got out of there unscathed, you know, without too much damage. Yeah, but you know, speaking of, speaking of the Boston Bruins, uh, they currently with a nine one and one record, they currently lead the Atlantic Division uh, with nineteen points, just four points ahead of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, who have a seven four and one record. Uh, in third in the Atlantic, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning with a five three and three record with thirteen points. The Toronto Maple Leafs, as I as I call them, a five four and two record with twelve points. What was that, Lou? I like that. The Maple Leafs. Yeah, the Maple Leafs. It's true. I mean, I, yeah, I've been calling yeah. them that ever since ever since they uh, ever since they choked a, a playoff series away to the Bruins uh, so many years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but they are also tied with the Montreal Canadiens with the same five, four, and two record uh, mm-hmm. with twelve points. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers they have a six and six record in sixth place uh, with twelve points. The Florida Panthers with a 5-3-1 record with 11 points. And Ottawa in dead last with a 4-6 record. More on Ottawa in just a minute because there is uh, a little bit more news about the Ottawa Senators. Uh, in the Metropolitan Division, the New York Rangers with an 8-2 record leading the way. Uh, the New Jersey Devils. The New Jersey Devils are in second with a 6-3-1 record. With 13 points, the New York Islanders are five two and two with 12 points, uh, tied with Carolina. But because, but because of point percentage, uh, New York Islanders get the number three spot. Uh, Carolina is six and five with 12 points. Uh, Washington with a five four and one record with 11 points, uh, but because of point percentage, they are ahead of Philadelphia who has a 5-5-1 five, five, and one record with the same 11 points. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets with a 4-5-2 and two record for 10 points, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, through nine games, have a 3-6 and six record in what could have potentially been Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby's last attempt at a Stanley Cup. Uh, but obviously very early on in the season. Uh, over in the Western Conference, in the Central Division, the Dallas Stars lead the way with a 7-1-1 one, and one record for 15 points. Uh, not far behind is the, the Stanley Cup champions from 2022, the Colorado Avalanche, with a 7-2 and two record. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets with a 5-4-2 and two record in the number three spot followed by the St. Louis Blues with a 5-4-1 record, tied with Arizona, but because of point percentage, St. Louis uh, takes the number four spot with Arizona in the number five spot. Uh, the Nashville Predators with a 5-6 and six record with 10 points, uh, followed by the Minnesota Wild with a 3-5-2 and two record for eight points, and the Chicago Blackhawks, also known as the Chicago Bedards, with a three and six record. Uh, in the Pacific Division, the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, with a 10 0 1 record for 21 points, lead the way yeah. in the Pacific. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks, with a 7 2 1 record for 15 points. 
followed by the LA Kings with a 6-2-2 record for 14 points. The Anaheim Ducks with a 6-4 record uh, with 12 points take up the number four spot. In the number five spot, we have the Seattle Kraken with a 4-5-2 record with 10 points. Good God, the Edmonton Oilers tied for for sixth place with the Calgary Flames with a 2-7-1 record with five points apiece. And with a lonely one point, with a lonely one point and dead last in the NHL, the San Jose Sharks with a they are winless, o nine and one to start off their oh. season. Forget it, cancel the rest of the season for them. But Edmonton, though, all of that talent. Remember what I said two weeks ago? The one thing yeah. Edmonton needs is a goaltender. It seems like they need it, it seems like they need a, a, an, an awful lot more than that. Well, what are your th- let's start off with you, Lou. What are your thoughts uh early on to start off the season here uh in the NHL? If you're the fan of the Sharks, it's pathetic. One measly point in uh, three weeks. That is that is just absolutely simple. There is no excuse, Ben, no matter how bad you are. I mean, either you're all playing your defense and completely stuck. I mean, that 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 is a that is a complete travesty. Oof. Boston and now the thing is, Boston, yeah, they're off of a good start. But remember what happened last year? I mean, they boosted the regular season, they broke all the records, but then they put in the uh, when the postseason came. So. Is it going to be the same story? I mean, they're going to dominate the regular season, but then they're going to collapse in the, in the postseason, the first round. So, you know, that's, that's something that, um, you know, I'm thinking, like, hmm, could be deja vu all over again. Rangers are off to a great start. They've won six in a row, which is something uh, I couldn't quite expect uh, <laughs> this to happen, but they have. Uh, they can keep it up. This could be a – even though they're, they just blew a three-goal lead right now, uh, Devils I'm impressed with. Um, but the longer Jack Hughes is out with whatever injury he's got, I mean, I think that might hurt him. I don't know if little brother uh, can step up in his place so much. So we really got to uh, see what that. And, of course, the Avalanche are the Avalanche, you know, dominating the West and whatnot. So it's kind of like what, you know, some of them seen last year and some are really stepping up. But like I said, the San Jose Sharks, Oh, boy, this is going to be a long and painful season in Northern California. Oh, wow. Yeah. Without a doubt, it's definitely going to be a very painful season for, for San Jose. But to be fair, you know, uh, ever, since they, ever since they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals so many years ago, uh, it's been long and painful for, uh, for, any, for any fan to watch them. Let's put it this way. Do they know the way to San Jose? I don't even think that uh, the team knows itself is the way to San Jose. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Boston, I think what's more impressive is you take a look at who they're without. They don't have David Krejci. They don't have uh, Patrice Bergeron. Both of them retired in the offseason. Uh, they have two rookies now playing with the main yeah. squad. Matthew Patra, who through 11 games has impressed. He had a goal and an assist tonight, four, point, uh, four goals, three assists. Uh, in 11 games so far that he's played uh, to start off his NHL career. Uh, Mason, Lo- Mason Lowry uh, in his second game tonight, 
Uh, he already has an assist. Uh, he had an assist, I should say, in his first NHL game the other night. Uh, he looks like he belongs. The only reason why he's in there is because of a four-game suspension to Charlie McAvoy for a blindside hit on Oliver ekman Larson. which, to be fair, I did kind of agree because uh, there's, there's no play. Even though it was a very slight hit, uh, it was, still a, de- it was yeah. still a hit against a defenseless receiver. Uh, there was no, you know, there was no reason for him to even attempt the hit, but oh. it still ended up happening. Uh, that very same game, they also lost Matt Grizzlick, uh for with a week-to-week injury, so he'll be out week-to-week, and who knows how long it will be. Uh, Derek Forbert is apparently uh, dealing with a groin injury as well, so they have three AHL defensemen right now on that roster. Parker Witherspoon, uh, Ian Mitchell, who they got in the Taylor Hall trade this offseason, and uh, the rookie Mason Lowry, who is who literally just played his second uh, career NHL game tonight at the age of 22. Uh, but you know, despite that, though, you know, everybody thought that when Boston lost Bergeron and Krejci to retirement, everybody thought that this team was going to take a gigantic step back. Like, we're talking, uh, when you look at the talent on this team, you're talking potential top five draft pick, basically, for uh, for the Boston Bruins this year. Uh, but... You know, they uh, they have impressed people so far through 11 games. Uh, now, I'm not saying, you know, this isn't going to be anywhere close to that team that we had last year who, set, who broke records. Uh, but I think it's worth noting that it, when you lose two players the caliber of Krejci and Bergeron, and then you bring in a rookie like Matthew Patra, who at the age of 19 years old, is proving that he can hang with the bigs uh, in the NHL. And then you, you have somebody like Mason Lowry who you throw into the fire against the Wolves. Uh, like you throw him to the pack of Wolves for his first NHL game against the Toronto Maple Leafs and, or the Toronto Maple Leafs, as I like to call them. And yeah. he held his own. I mean, that's, it's showing good promise for not just the present, but also the future of the Boston Bruins organization. When you look at the players that, uh, you know, if anything, uh, if these two players managed to hang in there, these would be considered Don Sweeney's first two actual draft picks uh, since he took over as general manager that will actually stick. So uh, one of the other big shockers for me, the Edmonton Oilers at two seven and one, for a team that has uh, the biggest one-two punch in the league with Connor McJesus and Leon Drysital, yeah. and you mean to tell me that you're starting off through ten games with only two wins? Yeah. I mean, you guys have a major issue out in Edmonton. Yeah. It's uh, and I mean 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at this point uh, if they continue the way they're going, if Edmonton ends up becoming sellers at the deadline. It really, it really would not surprise me at all. Uh, Detroit, they're exactly as I thought they would be. Uh, one of the teams I said would be a uh, would be a dark horse potentially heading into this season. You know, uh, currently sitting at seven four and one. Uh, you know, clearly they're they're not the Red Wings of the past uh, of the past decade who have failed to make the playoffs uh, since the Zetterberg since the Zetterberg years. Uh, you know, clearly Detroit has definitely turned things around, uh, and I foresee them potentially making a playoff run this season. Uh, Florida, I think honestly with Florida, we're just starting to see that Bobrovsky, it was just a one-time thing last se- last season. Yeah. That they had a chance, they had gotten lightning in a bottle, and unfortunately they couldn't capitalize on it in the uh, in the finals. Uh, as far as the Rangers and Devils, uh, Rangers I'm kind of surprised with considering the fact that they lost both Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. Uh, I thought that there would be a bit of a drop-off from them, but, uh, starting off with an eight and two record, I mean, that's, you know, I, I shouldn't say I'm really that surprised though, considering the fact that they have an, an elite goaltender in Igor Shesterkin. Uh, but I yep. think I'm mainly surprised at the at the fact that uh, so far they have a a goal differential of 11 goals through 10 games. So they have 30 goals compared to 19 goals given up. Um, I would say that's probably what I'm most surprised by. I'm not surprised by the goaltending at all, though. Uh, yep. Pittsburgh and Washington struggling is a big shocker. Uh, especially with Nicholas Backstrom uh, stepping away from the game of hockey due to injury. Uh, It's unknown whether or not he'll return at all this season for Washington, but uh, their struggles are surprising me. Pittsburgh is really surprising me uh, with, with Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, and then they trade for Eric Carlson this off season. And yet they have a three and six record to start off the year. I mean, just wow! It's, it's it's not something I was expecting uh, out of a team like Pittsburgh, who's trying to make their final, uh, potentially final push for a Stanley Cup title uh, with the duo of Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. Uh, Dallas is a bit of a shocker, starting off with a seven-one and one record. Considering they've been streaky in previous seasons, that's a bit of a shock that they've gotten off to that hot of a start. Uh, Colorado, I mean, with the talent that they have, it's no shocker that they're going to be in the thick of things. Vegas, I mean, they're still riding high off of that Stanley Cup win. Yeah. So, I mean, the 10-0 it kind of depends also on what happens in the off season too. I mean, because you know they try to break up the teams oh, to prevent them from becoming a dynasty. So you know that's got a factor. It didn't really have that much in Vegas in the off season. So that also kind of plays into a factor in how well your success does. You know the next year after you win the Stanley Cup, because you know as I 
as I told people many times before, there is such a thing as what I call the championship hangover. Right. I mean, they've got, they've got, uh, they did get rid of Riley Smith, but that was kind of offset oh, yeah. by uh, by them re-signing our, Ivan Barbashev, though. So, uh, I mean, really, yeah, Riley Smith is a significant loss for them, but uh, it would have been it would have been even worse if they got rid of him and then they couldn't re-sign Barbashev. So, uh, right. I mean, something obviously had to give, though, considering their cap situation. Uh, but, you know, from what I've seen, it, it, so far at least, it doesn't look like they have a Stanley Cup hangover because they're still playing the same type of hockey that they were playing at the end of last season. Uh, my other big surprise is Vancouver with a 7-2-1 and record. I wasn't ex- – with, with yeah. the struggles they've had – the last couple of years, I was not expecting that kind of start from them to start out the year. So, overall, uh, I would say, you know, th- there are a few surprises this season. But, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a long season, 82 games. So, maybe perhaps uh, we may see some more things along the way here. Maybe perhaps uh, we'll see some teams turn things around. Uh, but what about you, Alex? What are your thoughts on – uh, on the NHL season, uh, the way the way it's shaped out so far. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. It, the, the the key things that you guys emphasized. Um, yeah, Vegas is really looking like they're they're not not messing around at all. They're right back to where they were last year, so they're really kicking ass and taking names. And uh, Rangers, we've seen the fast starts before. Let's see what they can do on crunch time with their defense come playoff time. So I'm not really buying that yet. And, um, Boston, I had a feeling. I mean, if you sometimes change is good. That was a big psychological letdown to have that record-setting season and then get bounced right away in the first round. So it, I thought it was, you know, now they have a couple of new guys, a couple of younger skaters that weren't around for that real letdown, and it might be better off for them. I know they lost two incredible players, but they 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 can they look like they're for real, and they can make a deep run in the playoffs this year. Um, and then the other teams, I mean, yes, both starts. Um, some of them were because of, you know, new additions. Sometimes it takes a while to get chemistry going. We're seeing in the NBA, too. Um, you know, some teams are going to get off the slow starts. But, yeah, I mean, I think Vegas is definitely the, the cream of the crop right now. Would you guys say they're, they're, they're the top dog? Yeah. Uh, I would agree with that. I would say Vegas is definitely uh, is definitely the team to beat right now under uh, under Bruce Cassidy. Absolutely. Um, you know, he's basically the the Vegas Golden Knights right now are basically what the Boston Bruins should have been under Bruce Cassidy. Because yeah. uh, this is the type this is the type of team that he was building in Providence. When he was the AHL coach of the of the uh, of the Providence Bruins, you know this is yep. the type of they're playing the type of hockey that the Providence Bruins played for for uh, many years under him as head coach. So, you know, it, it just it, it it isn't it isn't much of a surprise for me. Uh, that Bruce is off to such a fast start once again. 
Because I mean, when you when you take a look at, at, at uh, his his last couple of years in the league since coming back into the league as a head coach in 2016. Uh, now, granted, when he came in in 2016, it was halfway through. It was more than halfway through the season that he replaced uh, Claude Julien. Uh, but he had two seasons where he had 50 or more wins with Boston. Uh, he had a 51 point uh, a 51 win season last year when he won the cup. Uh, when they lost in the in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019, uh, he had a 49 win season that year uh, before losing to the St. Louis Blues in a uh, in a Game Seven loss uh, in Boston. Then. I mean, I mean, let's just let's just look at it like this. Uh, through yeah. 399 career games with the Boston Bruins, he had a 245, 108, and 46 record, uh, with wow. a 36 and 37 record in the playoffs. Uh, through six through six seasons in Boston, uh, with Vegas, he had a 51 and 22 record last year, uh, or no, 51, 22, and nine record last year with a 16-6 and six record in the playoffs, including the Stanley Cup win. Uh, and so far this year, he's off to a 10-0-1 start. So, wow. you know, th- this is basically to be expected from a team coached by, uh, coached by Bruce Cassidy. Oh, update uh, in uh, college football real quick. Washington's playing uh... – USC, really defensive bugfest here. It's yeah. 42, 42 to 42 in the third quarter. <laughs> Literally no one can stop Yeah, and, a, and apparently <laughs> there's and a lot field. of eyes. There's a <laughs> lot of eyes on that game, too. As there's sure. 21, scouts, 21 scouts from 15 different teams are there tonight. Yeah, the Washington quarterback's tremendous, too. Yeah, but all, uh, for all the hype with uh, – Caleb, who we'll wants to, you know, tell everyone where he will play and where he won't play. The quiet, the quieter, more humble guy is really damn 43, good. 42. The Washington quarterback's awesome. I want to see. Uh, yeah, um, I want to see Washington win. They're on the cusp of the national championship. If they can win this, top five, we'll see. Sorry to sidetrack, but yeah, that's that's pretty funny. They're on pace for over 100 points. That's insane. Well, we do we do have one last bit of hockey news before we actually move on to football, uh, and this concerns the Ottawa Senators. Uh, well, actually, I should I should say we have two bits of hockey news. Uh, first okay. off, the Ottawa Senators have to forfeit a first round draft pick for their role in a July 2021 trade of Evgeny Dadanov to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, and the subsequent invalidated Dadanov trade between the Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. So now they basically had to determine, or they, they had to determine, uh, it says here they have 24 hours after the conclusion of the NHL draft lottery this year to determine if they will surrender their first round pick this year or in either 2025 or 2026. Uh, so this issue originates from 2021 when the Golden Knights acquired Dadanoff from Ottawa. Uh, 
however, it says that the issue the issue relates to the senator's handling of the no trade list in Dadanov's contract. Now, uh, the, the league didn't elaborate on any specifics, uh, but the fact that a first round pick has been docked sends a signal that the league deemed serious punishment in order for the senators. Uh, there's been not really any uh, any actual reporting on this, but according to Bruce Garriott, who used to work for NHL.com and now he works for Post Media, uh, he shed some light on the situation as he reported that, that the punishment had come as a result of general manager Pierre Dorian giving the Golden Knights the wrong information about the existence of Dadanov's 10-team no-movement clause. Uh, the Golden Knights, seemingly believing that Dadanov did not possess no trade protection, attempted to trade the player to the Anaheim Ducks in a move that was eventually vetoed by the league. Uh, Garyach had added that the Knights were under the impression that Dadanov hadn't entered a 10-team no trade list before the 2021-2022 season, so he no longer had one. And now uh, this appears to have been an issue for, for Golden Knights management as uh, a source said that Vegas, that Vegas president of hockey operations, George McPhee, and GM Kelly McCrimmon refused to let this matter go and appealed to the NHL's head office to look into it, which ended up resulting in a first-round pick being docked from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, now, the Senators had claimed that at the time of the trade, the Senators had argued that Vegas had the contract on its books for eight months and had not looked at the details of the contract. Now, while it's true that the Golden Knights had employed him for quite a bit of time before the trade, it seems this argument was not sufficient to stave off punishment from the league. Uh, and also, as a result of this, the Ottawa Senators then fired general manager Pierre Dorian that very same day uh, due to this punishment. And also it was announced as well that last week Shane Pinto would face a 41-game suspension for the Ottawa Senators for going against the NHL's betting policy. Uh, this, also, this comes after a laborious contract negotiation with the restricted free agent that carried into the regular season. But once again, another knock on, on Dorian because he refused to give Pinto a respectable offer. And even though Dorian was the man to bring in free agent Vladimir Tarasenko for the club, uh, it was not enough. This was considered to be the final straw. Uh, for the Senators when it came to uh, handling Pierre Dorian. So, uh, as a result, the Senators are looking for a new general manager, and they will be without a first-round pick for one of the next three seasons, depending on what they decide. Well, the Senators are a mess. It is a big mess indeed. Uh, But let, let me uh, let me go let me go over to you, Lou, uh, here first. What are your thoughts on the state of the Ottawa Senators? Does the term "deep shit" mean anything? Well, yeah, yeah, you could say yeah. it does. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, because they're, they're looking like it. And, uh, you know, they're, I think they're going to do some uh, business even before the trade deadline, you know, because of the, of the shape that they're in, I think they're going to make some moves, uh, you know, like around uh, early like uh, early January instead of waiting until, like, after the after the uh, trade deadline. Because as soon as they, as soon as they can get out of it, maybe they can start, you know, thinking of heading towards uh, competing or maybe they have to wait until next year. I mean, because the centers right now are just are just a complete mess. Not just that, but now, uh, you know, they get docked a uh, a first round pick as a Especially result that. of as a as a result of uh, not accurately uh, giving contract details to the Vegas Golden Knights as a result of that uh, as a result of that trade a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, don't you don't you think this kind of this kind of sends a message now to all of the other uh, teams around the league? Uh, yeah, complete stupidity on, on their part. You know, you gotta think about your future, and you and you ruined it. Now it caused you a drastic. So now you're gonna be a, you're gonna be in a lot more trouble now. Right. What well, What are your What are your it's thoughts on this, Alex? Future. Yeah, it's brutal. I love yeah. this. That it's a wreck. I mean, they do, they definitely deserve to be docked heavily and punished deservedly so for lying about contract details. That puts the trade partner in a terrible position. So, of course, all eyes are going to be on them, and they're getting what they deserve. So, they're already in bad shape, and uh, they're not helping themselves with the with the, with the way they're acting, carrying on, and then they're also burning bridges. Other GMs are going to be leery and hesitant to make moves with them, so they're not helping themselves at all. Yeah, they definitely they definitely aren't aren't doing themselves any favors whatsoever with how they've handled uh, with how they've handled these uh, uh, how they've handled this situation. Um, and also, it hurts them as well, considering the fact that they've been considered, uh, you know, one of the better teams when it comes to drafting players, when it comes to, you know, drafting actual uh, actual stars. And now, all of a sudden, uh, as a result of this, you know, now they're going to have to give up a first-round pick. I mean, that's considered – Quite frankly, when you when, you know when you look at it, that's considered to be a pretty big docking of a of of it, of it being a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah, but shouldn't the Golden Knights be punished also for not really looking into the details of the trade? Yes. Yes. True. Uh in my opinion, no. Because oh. I don't think I don't think that I don't think Vegas honestly should be because it's up to the team that's making the trade to okay. provide everything. Mm-hmm. So, that makes sense. I mean, it just ba- it basically shows that uh, you know they weren't. Uh, what's it called? Ottawa wasn't doing things uh, with an open, you know, they they weren't being faithful with the trade. Right. You know, they weren't they weren't being uh, they weren't giving out the yeah. right information. Yeah, they're hiding some something up their sleeve. They weren't being transparent. So. Yeah. I mean, exactly. 
really poor form, and they got busted. So just you know, just my opinion, but I think if anything, I, I think it's uh, it definitely serves as a uh, huge reminder to teams of what could potentially happen uh, when it you know that you can't you can't try and sneak anything by the league because they are going to find out about it eventually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are going to find out about it. So, uh, you know, if if anything, it it just it just further shows how poorly uh, the Ottawa Senators are run. The fact that nobody, you know, that that, that nobody in their organization uh, picked up on this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, going on, uh, moving on to uh, Major League Baseball, as we have the World Series to talk about. For the first time in their official history, the Texas Rangers are your World Series champions of 2023. Bruce Bochy, Bruce Bochy, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the first time in their history. Uh, but Bruce Bochy, with his fourth win as a, uh, as a manager uh, for the, for a world, uh, with a World Series champion, three times with the San Francisco Giants and now wow. with the Texas Rangers. First year back out of retirement, he gets a ring with the first ever Texas like Rangers. That. What a job manager, managerial-wise, too. Amazing. He just came out of retirement. Wow. Yeah. And now touch. he could potentially go back into retirement. <laughs> and then Maybe whoever he comes too. back for, he'll, he'll win another ring in a couple of years after a year off on the golf golf links. Yeah, but they have a potent that, though, I mean, Sorry, I was just going to say, man, get used to these yeah. Rangers. I mean – they might lose Montgomery, but I mean, they didn't even have Degrom. Who knows what the heck's going to happen with him? Max Scherzer, like, was a net negative. He didn't. He didn't help at all, and he still won a ring. He he looked like a clown though. He was celebrating more than anyone, and he got bumped. He got bombed the whole playoffs. He couldn't even be relied on. But uh, I mean, the Rangers' core—they have Seager and Semyon. Everyone was kind of like, "What are you doing?" They what they shelled out like four hundred million for those two up the middle. But those guys are awesome one-two punch at the top of the lineup, and then. They inserted uh, Josh Jung, great young third baseman. They have a ton of talent. Adolis Garcia. They inserted Evan Carter, their um, rookie outfielder, into the lineup. I think like the last couple of weeks of the season, he was hitting third and fourth in the in the playoffs for them. So yeah, Rangers are going to be uh, one of the best teams in the league. I think for for at least the next couple of years, from what I can see. Oh, I agree. Just based off of what I've seen, you know, based off of what I've seen, uh, if anything, they have shown you this is how you build a uh, how you build a contending team. You know, uh, and it's it's kind of the same thing too when it, when you take a look at the Boston uh, when you take a look at the Boston Red Sox from 2018. You know, you wanna you wanna know how you build how you build uh, in. Uh, a, a contending team. 
or a championship-winning team, if you don't have the players to begin with, uh, and you need to add, you know, you need to add roster players. Invest the money. If you invest the money, you take you take a look at what, uh, you know, at what Texas did this year. That's the result of believing in believing in uh, in management's plan. You know, believe, believing in their plan to be able to put together a uh, a winning team, and also not to, not just that, but also ownership, ownership being willing to put forth the money. Yeah. I mean, it's a very it's a very stark difference between the management of the Texas Rangers and the management of the Boston uh, Boston Bruins, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, stark difference right now. Um, didn't have to be that way, but yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going in different kind of. They're taking different paths with willing to shell out the money, and it goes to show. I mean, definitely paid off for the uh, for the Rangers. Awesome roster. Yeah, I mean, ser- seriously, you take a look at some, at some of the players uh, that they brought in. Obviously, uh, un- unfortunately, Jacob Degrom. Uh, didn't have the opportunity due to injury. Uh, he didn't have the opportunity to show uh, what he could do in the postseason, but he is going to get a ring because of it. So yeah. uh, he will officially have his uh, his World Series ring um, with the, with the uh, Texas Rangers. But you take a look at all the people they invested money in. Corey Seager. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Detroit. Nate Eovaldi, who might I add, uh, you know, yeah. Eovaldi, yeah. for for a guy that the Red Sox claimed wasn't good enough to invest money in, <laughs> and you take a look at you take a look at uh, he tied the record for most wins in a single postseason with five. Wow. How about that? I gotta Thought be honest though, though. I mean when. I got the other though when go when, Scher, when Scherzer and Garcia went down both in the same game, I might add. You know, I thought maybe uh, the mis- I thought maybe the fortunes were going to turn around for the D backs because you lost your two best players, and we had that happen. You know, that might be the opportunity for them to take advantage of it. Unfortunately, it did. And you know, judging from what. Uh, when game five was, I thought we'd never get out of that game. I just until the start of the inning happened, and then the Rangers offense exploded. Yeah, you know what the big problem was? The problem the problem was when you take when you take a look at the uh at both rosters. And even even with them losing Adelise Garcia due to injury. Uh, you still take a, you still take a look at the heavy hitters that they had on that roster with Texas, and I still think that even even if they somehow went to a game six or a game seven, I still think Texas takes that takes that uh, that World Series. When you take a look at the yeah. roster that they had, even if uh, even if Nathan if they had gone to a game six, I guarantee you Nathan Eovaldi would have been available. We've seen it happen before, 
where, I mean, this dude is an animal when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, wanting to pitch. You know, we saw, we saw him pitch, for example, uh, in 2018 where he pitched eight innings. He, paid, he pitched eight innings in extra innings. Granted, he ended up losing that game. But then he comes out and pitches an inning the very next game. I mean, the, the dude's an animal. Yeah, he's it's, it, it's like I said on Lou's show. It's like I said on Lou's show. Uh, you know, the the Arizona Diamondbacks when they had gotten the best of, uh, or when they had gotten the better of uh, Nate Eovaldi in Game One, that was their opportunity, and they blew it. That was their opportunity yep. if they had taken a one nothing series lead uh, because you're not going to get that. Even though Eovaldi was a little shaky in game five, uh, you're not going to get that opportunity once again out of, uh, out of right. Eovaldi. So, in my opinion, you know, they just, they, they just completely blew it. You know Arizona uh, with the with the injuries uh, that took place, and I think part of it has to do. You take a you take a look at the uh, at the head coaching discrepancy, and I mean Bruce Bochy obviously having been to the World Series before, and then you have Tori Lavulo, who. Uh, actually, wait a minute. Let me double check. Um, Tori Lavulo. I think he might have been. When was he with Boston? Okay, so Lavulo. I stand corrected. Lavulo was part of the coaching staff in 2013 uh, with the Boston's, uh, the Boston Red Sox. He was, I think he was the bench coach. Let me double check that. 2013, where was Lovulo? Yeah, I think, I think, I think he, was, he was either the bench coach or the hitting coach, I think. I forget exactly. But uh, still, you know, he had, yeah, bench coach, actually. It says it right here. Uh, so, you know, he does have coaching experience, like being on the bench in, in a World Series, but he doesn't have actual game-calling experience like uh, Bruce Bochy has. And honestly, I think that's what ultimately played the big factor was mm-hmm. yeah, the fact gonna that... Go for it, Steve. Sorry. Well, no, I was I was just saying that you know that's the big factor is yeah. that you know Bochi he knows he knows more what to what to do in in a World Series type situation, and also you also have to take into account as well that uh, you know ultimately Texas just had the better roster overall, better veterans too. I mean. Definitely on the pitching staff. Dallin's great, but uh, Brandon Plath, I mispronounced his name, but Diamondbacks had some younger guys. Corbin Carroll, I mean, their first big trip to the dance, so to speak, whereas 
get Seeger, Semien, really some battle-tested guys. Even just having DeGrom around and Scherzer, even though he's a bit of a bit annoying, um, just having those veteran presences. And then, like you said, with Bochy, that's, that's huge in those really pressurized, you know, really intense games where the whole world's watching. Having those veterans, is, it's such, such a big advantage versus a younger Diamondbacks team. Right. And, I mean, it's not, it's not like the Diamondbacks were – it's not like the Diamondbacks yeah. didn't have veterans of their own. I mean, they had Evan Mongoria. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they have their own veterans. Madison Bumgarner, uh, Evan Longoria. You know, they have Fam. they have their own veterans. Tommy, uh, Tommy, Tommy Fam. 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 Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. did. I, I digress. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, the managing. At the, at the edge there, too. You were right there. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, manage, managing was a huge, a huge difference. Uh, when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to this World Series, uh, Texas won Game One in eleven innings, six to five. Uh, then Arizona bounced back with a nine to one victory, a nine to one victory, and it made you really think that okay, maybe Arizona has finally woken back up and they're back to being the team that they were against LA. But then. Their uh, their offense shut down once again, three to one uh, against Texas in Game Three. Uh, then it came back in Game Four, but the problem is, so did Texas's offense, eleven to eleven to seven. And then Game Five, Arizona's offense was basically non-existent, despite a I think uh, Gallon was uh, pitching a uh, a no hitter through six innings. I think it was. Wow. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, you know, you know, it's it's like we said. You take a you take a look at the veterans over on uh, over on Texas, and even you know, even though they didn't have uh, they didn't have Jacob Degrom available, and they didn't have uh, Max Scherzer available, yeah. it, it, it's literally. You know, it, it, it makes it makes a, a drastic difference just having that veteran. Uh, you know, j- j- just having the veterans uh, even in the dugout. Yeah, veteran presence. Really, you know, it's almost like having a couple extra coaches around. Really, you know, the younger players they can walk through different situations, and it really helps in in these in these big games. I thought Diamondbacks had a great run then, but yeah, Texas was definitely. It seemed like they were destined. Once they got there, they were going to get the job done. A really great job by uh, their their front office to really assemble a really good team. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, like seriously, just look at just look mm-hmm. at some of the names on this roster. I mean, pitching wise, uh, Arodis Chapman. Now, granted, of course, Chapman. You know, we know how much of a nightmare he was uh, with New York uh, when he was pitching in high-leverage situations. Lou, one of your favorite Bronx Bombers, the the Cuban Missile? No, thank you. The Cuban Missile Crisis? It was a metal case. The Cuban Mental Missile Crisis. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I finally got one there. I nailed one there, finally. I get it. He was so... So erratic. Yeah, that guy, you never I knew like what that, that guy was going to do. 
he could throw it over the uh, dugout. Well, you, you never knew where that heat, heat was going to wind up and with his, his fastball. Did he? How did he? I I got to I got to totally admit to you guys and Diane. I mean, did you watch a lot of the? I was I just wasn't really tuned into the World Series. Did he pitch any meaningful uh, innings in the World Series? Uh, I, mean, I saw parts of. I yeah. saw parts of the games. I didn't see him. He was there. Wow. Well, he did. He pitched an inning in game. Uh, in game five, he pitched an inning, and then, or no, he pitched two thirds of an inning. And when he, uh, when he, when he then walked a batter, uh, Bruce, Bruce uh, Bochi was like, "Okay, I, I'm not fucking around here. That's enough. I've seen out of you." Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's, so it, it's like you see, that's that's the thing about Bochi. He doesn't wait around and. Uh, you know, decide to leave guys in there longer than they should be in. So, yes. like at the littlest, the littlest sign of trouble, he immediately pulled. Uh, he immediately pulled Chapman right away. Yeah. So, I mean, he it's sense just, trouble looming. Yeah. Exactly. If you can sense if you can sense trouble looming, it's best to get ahead of it before before uh, it has a chance to uh, you know to really get out of hand. Uh, but you know, like I said, you take a look at the veterans you have on that roster. Uh, granted, some of them may not have played, but Erodis Chapman, Jacob Degrom, Nathan Eovaldi, John Gray, uh, Andrew Heaney, uh, Ian Kennedy. Even though Ian Kennedy uh, didn't play. Uh, he is still getting a ring, but he just won't be recognized as a World Series champion. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, Martin Perez. Oh, my God, I just realized Martin Perez is going to be a World Series champion. Yeah. Holy shit. That's another former Boston guy. Uh, Yeah. Max Scherzer, Will Smith. We all get hurt. You know what? It's kind of it's kind of funny Mets, actually. Couple, uh, Will Smith. Will Smith yeah. has been a World Series champion each of the last three years. Each of our former we'll teams had uh, World Series winners this year. Everyone but our former teams. Uh, all of our teams. Some of our players went there and won a ring with them. Yeah, Perez, Evaldi, yeah. Chapman, Scherzer, Degrom. Yes, lucky for them. Yeah, but uh, Will Will Smith. Has uh, Will Smith is basically the Patrick Maroon of Major League Baseball right now. <laughs> he's been oh, he, he's been a oh, yeah, World Series champion each of the last three years. Wow. I mean, seriously, how lucky can a player get? Yeah, seriously. Oh, don't look. That's all. I don't know about that, Lou. I mean, uh, that has to be that has to be some really dumb luck for Yeah, but it's very rare to have that happen, you know, especially three consecutive years. Right. Yeah, it, it, it's it is really weird for 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 it to happen exactly on, you know, on consecutive years like uh three consecutive years like it did here. But yeah. Uh I mean, we saw we saw it happen in hockey with uh, Patrick Maroon, where he won in 2019 with the uh, St. Louis Blues, and then he won in 2020 and 2021 with the uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Yep. So, I mean, it's you know, it, it, no this is he's basically uh, Major League Baseball's Patrick Maroon, essentially in this situation. Will Smith is, or more like, um, want to say like a, a John Havlicek or a Larry Bird or Kareem. You you get the idea. I mean, because they yeah. were, you know, because yeah. the Rocks were in the row, so figure that out. Right. But, uh, I mean, you take a look at some, at some other players as well. Uh, you know, Mitch Garver, 32 years old. Granted, he hasn't really seen any playoff baseball with, uh, with Minnesota. Yeah. And, uh, well, he has seen playoff baseball, but it's been like one game losses. Uh, you know, Mitch Garver, Austin Hedges, who's been on his fair share of teams since 2015. Uh, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. Uh, you know, it's there's a there's a, a huge list of names here. Uh, j- just based off of, you know, comparing the two rosters, it's clear as day who had who had the experience advantage here. Yes. Sure. So uh, now, obviously, we head into the offseason, and also, not to mention, I should add that their general manager is a former player, Chris Young. Yep. That rings a bell. And not to mention, uh, I might add, I believe he is, was he in his first year? No, he's in his third year as general manager. Third year as general manager and he now has his first World Series title as an executive after winning a World Series uh, with the Kansas City Royals back in 2015. So, uh, and you know, speaking of executives, uh, one executive who could learn from this is former World Series champion and now uh, – the newest uh, the, the newest president of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox, Craig Breslow, who was just officially hired uh, this past week to replace Hein Bloom uh, following a couple of years with the Chicago Cubs organization as their general manager slash, uh, I guess, pitching consultant or something he was. I, I forget exactly what his title was with Chicago, but uh, needless to say, you know, uh, people people have said that uh, general managers who are looking to ma- who are looking to make uh, you know some sort of in- some sort of impact could learn from uh, from general managers like Chris Young. Yeah, I like that higher. When it comes to the bloom was definitely off the rose in Beantown. I mean, uh, Breslow has the track record. He's got the Boston pedigree. Not even more than just the track record. I think he has the mentality. They have to start opening up the purse strings again because that that fan base is pissed. And right so. I mean, come on. I mean, Lou, you're a great Yankee fan. You're a great fan and and very knowledgeable about baseball, of course. But, I mean, even you've got to agree there. Like, Oh, they do. Yeah, the they Boston do. fans deserve their great, great, great fan base, and they—I mean, 
it's ridiculous the the disservice that they were paid you know just the disrespect when Boston the Red Sox are going cheap you know they had like a wild at least a wild card team this year and they just like pulled out they just refused to go all in and spend some money it was just it was just ridiculous watching that just as a fan of other teams but it was you know, ridiculous Red Sox usually you know. That's a that's a that's a serious blue collar you know fan base. They love their socks, and for them to just bottom out like that, I mean, it was just ridiculous. So, you know, yeah. I think they, they're gonna anywhere they can't get any lower. I mean, they they went from wild card destination to really thrown in the towel. Cora was pissed. The fan base yeah. was pissed. So. Is Cora coming back, Steve? From what from what you can gather. Uh, from my understanding, uh, yes, Alex Cora will be back. Uh, I think if I think if anything, uh, Craig Breslow, the one thing the one thing he wants is he wants experience on that bench. And uh, I mean, we saw what Alex Cora did in his first year with the Red Sox. Not only did he win uh, a World Series as a player with the Red Sox, but he also won the World Series in his first year as uh as a manager in uh in Major League Baseball. So um my understanding is that Breslow uh will keep Alex Cora on as head coach or as uh, as head manager I should say. Sure. Um that uh that just now, I mean that if the if the Sox come back strong, you got to believe. I mean, I think the Yankees are going to be back stronger next year. I mean, yeah. that division. Toronto's not going anywhere. You got you got young stars and Bo and and Vladdy and and that group's pretty pretty ballsy, pretty good, very good group. And obviously Tampa and Baltimore's just getting started. Damn, what a division! It's by far and away the best division in baseball. I would, I mean, got it, yeah. I mean. Maybe in sports. I mean, it's just a lot of the best teams are a lot of the strongest teams are in that one division. It's remarkable. Yeah, it, it, it just it really go it really goes to show the type of uh, you know just the type just the type of uh, teams that really love to compete when it comes to uh, when it when it comes to baseball. Um, yeah. And if anything, it shows you what teams are willing to either spend or teams that can draft the right way. You know, like we're seeing with Baltimore, like we're seeing with Tampa. It's going to be interesting because you saw it sometimes in the NLEs back, seems like 90 years ago when the Mets were good. But like when you had Washington Nationals were good, the Phillies back when the Marlins were good. Every couple, every year, there might be like two new wild card teams, new champion out of that division. Like everyone's going to be in the mix from year to year, which makes it so much more exciting for fans. You know, everyone's yeah. capable of winning that division. The AL East is, is is awesome. Yeah. So I mean, in my opinion, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um. Don't be don't be surprised if if we see Boston, uh, especially with somebody like Craig Breslow, if we see Boston attempt to try and make some sort of moves this off season. Yeah, you got Tani Young. Uh, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation. My bad, but Yamamoto, the guy's just lighting it up. I mean, he's apparently like the next big thing. 
uh, pitching-wise coming over. There's, man, there's going to be some big moves in this offseason. Soto? Yeah. Go to the Yankees. Might go to the Yankees. Dark Horse would be the Mets. I definitely think the Boston Red Sox are going to make some noise. I mean, it's a new day in Boston right now with, with new new leadership in the front office. It's huge. I think the Yankees and the Red Sox are both going to make major moves. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, Yamamoto, uh, just today, I believe it was, um, he pitched in the Japanese World Series. And he ended up pitching, I think it was like 138 pitches with 14 strikeouts. So, Wow. I mean, his his posting fee is going to be massive when he officially gets posted to uh, the Major League Baseball uh, uh, yeah. free agency. And definitely just on that note, kind of, Steve, that there's another guy not with all the, you know, like just not all the, all the huge acclaim and all the attention coming over, uh, but uh, there's a Cuban pitcher who's apparently really awesome. Might Might be a reliever, but. There's 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 several guys coming over internationally, not just Yamamoto. So it's going to be a fun offseason. I forget what the Cuban guy's name is, but he throws 100. Hopefully he's not a total head case like uh, Chapman. But, yeah, there's several guys coming over. Oh, yeah. No, I, I you know, obviously. Uh, well, is this is this guy a uh, an amateur? Uh, like, is he, is he an amateur yeah. player or – he plays he, Cuba, uh, not getting the attention. He, he he plays he played for Team Cuba definitely, obviously. But it, so I don't know where he plays year round. But yeah, he's in he's Cuban, and he he apparently I'm not good with all the international like jargon like definitions of what it, what you call it. But yeah, he po- I guess he posts. He's officially coming over. So there's going to be a bidding war for this guy too. Apparently, forget his name. No, but what I, what I'm saying is what I'm saying is is he. Uh, like, is he going to be a major league talent right off the bat, or is he going to be, yeah. uh, like, is he, like, yeah. a 19-year-old kid? No, he's, like, mid-20s, maybe. Don't don't quote me on that, but he's definitely, like, he's had right. good years. He's, like, he's not younger. He's, like, middle, like, you know, mid-20s, maybe. And he's done, I think he's closed, oh, okay. and, and he's going to I think he's a yeah. reliever who wants to start, but the guy throws, like, 101. He's another, like, total badass arm coming over. So he's going to be interesting. I'll look him up right now in the next couple of minutes. Okay. Wow. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that his, uh, you know, that his name hasn't. Uh, uh, well, it's probably come up, but I just haven't seen it. Yeah, Yariel Yariel Rodriguez. Okay. So Padres Cubs. Yeah. No. But yeah. I just I just I just googled Cuban pitcher coming over. Yeah. Cuban righty. Uh-huh. Um. Okay, so he was a he was a he was a, I guess the top reliever in Japan, dominating one fifteen oh. ERA. So he's a closer mm-hmm. then. That's maybe that's why we haven't heard of him. So, but yeah, that guy maybe that jogs my memory. Yeah, it's fascinating. These guys coming over, man. It's it's going to be fun. You just got to select the right one. You don't want like a. I mean, there's been some serious busts. I know the Yankees and the Mets have both, you know, signed the wrong guys. You've got to see how they right. do in the MLB first, but it seems pretty promising. I know the By Yamamoto. Way, uh, when it comes to... Yamamoto should be the real deal. I know that much. 
Yeah. When it, when it comes to pitching, when it comes to uh, when it comes to players, by the way, uh, there there is a uh, there is a note here. Um, Andrew Heaney did officially exercise his player option to remain with the Texas Rangers. Uh, $13 million for this upcoming season, and the club picked up uh, a six-and-a-quarter million-dollar team option for righty reliever Jose LeClaire. So uh, Texas keeps two of their big uh, two of their big pitchers uh, for the upcoming season for next season, I should say. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Rangers' arms, um, a guy who's who I mean they'd be foolish not to resign him, but hey. It's up to the player, too, right? He can go anywhere. He's a free agent now, Jordan Montgomery. I know he loved his yeah. time in the Bronx. Then again, I mean, the Sox could use him. The Mets might use, could use him. I don't know. if it's. I, I remember remember that he was frustrated that the Yankees had traded him when Chapman traded yeah. him. Apparently, mm-hmm. Montgomery loved being a Yankee. So he's, he's available now, too. Oh, I would love him on Boston. He's exactly the yeah. type of uh, the type of starter, especially if Boston isn't going to go for if they don't go for Shohei Otani. Uh, Montgomery is the type of starter that Boston would need. Yeah, he's 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 a stud, man. He's really made even a lot more improvements since he left since he left the Yankees. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. The Yankees need an arm. Maybe he wants to go back there. But I heard he was really upset that he that he got traded from the Yankees. So maybe that's not a distinct possibility. But yeah. I mean, he's going to be in high demand for a lot of several several teams are going to be really really jockeying to get him. Yeah, some other some other starters, by the way, who are now on the market. Uh, Michael Waka, his two year club option has been declined by the Padres, so he's now a free agent. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has opted out of his Tigers contract, so he's now a free agent. Uh, as is Marcus Stroman, who opted out of his deal with the Cubs. So he is a free agent. Uh, Lance Lynn, uh, although who wants Lance Lynn after the season he had this year? Uh, the Dodgers <laughs> declined me, his it. option. It's the same buffet as Harden. Lance has really got to slow yeah. down on the calories. I mean, i got to watch myself um, too. But yeah, he, he literally loves his buffets. Yeah, some other okay. players who have declined their options, uh, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger declined his mutual option with the Cubs, so Ooh. he's a free agent. Justin Turner yeah. Yeah, target, uh, Justin Turner declined his option with Boston. He's a free agent. Jorge wow. Soler opted out of his deal with the Marlins, so he's a free agent. 40 homers, yep. I mean, there's quite a few uh, there's quite a few players that are going to be on that open market this year. So Turner didn't want. I mean, not surprisingly, he's an awesome, gritty championship type player. Turner, Turner opted out because I thought he. I, I mean, I, th- I would hope Boston would have wanted to keep him. He had a good year. Yeah, he did. The problem is, is with the with the uh, with the deal he was on. I think he was only making like six million dollars when okay. he could be making. You know, on the open market this year, they say that he's due for about 12, 12 and a half mil per year. Wow, and I keep hearing Bellinger. Uh, I, there's rumblings the Yankees really, really like him. Interesting to see where he goes. He had a great bounce back year this year. Yeah, don't be surprised if uh, Ca- if Cashman is immediately in on him. Right. Don't be surprised at all. Um, I'm not. 
One player that has switched teams, though, uh, Mark Canna, has officially been acquired in a trade uh, from the Milwaukee Brewers to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Tigers have sent over minor league reliever Blake Holub uh, as a, uh, in return for Mark Canna. Uh, yeah. Canna, it's assumed that Detroit will exercise their club option for him, $11.5 million. Um, so basically uh, that trade – that trade saves uh, at least a $2 million payout that they would have had to give to Canna uh, had they decided to uh, buy his contract out. It's really, I mean, most of their lineup's really young. They made some strides last yeah. year, and Canna's a really good, solid, like smart, really good veteran to have around. That's a good move for Detroit. Kind of add him to the mix. Oh, Help the young I, guys can't, out. I can't believe I, I can't believe I forgot this one. Uh, the 17-year career of Joey Votto mm. is officially up with the Cincinnati Reds as they have declined their club option on him. That was interesting. I mean, the Reds, I mean, you saw um, Ella De La Cruz, Noevo Marte, who they got for Castillo, the third baseman, then they have McLean. And they have Christian Encarnacion Strand. They have, yeah, the Reds have a lot of good young talent in the infield. So Votto is just kind of the odd man out. That's that's weird though, because he was like, you know, he's Mister Red, seventeen years. Right. I would have thought he would have uh, would have retired maybe like one more year part time, but their team they're just brewing, brimming with uh, young talent in the infield. That's that's weird though that they let him go like that. Maybe he's from Canada. Yeah, maybe he goes so to Toronto. Sure. Maybe DH well, it the, makes uh, you wonder the Blue Jays. at the age of 40, though, it makes you wonder if maybe he might be headed to retirement. He might be doing that, yeah. I was just going to say he's from Canada, maybe like Toronto or somewhere, more of a DH. Yeah, he's definitely slowed down, but, yeah. Probably Hall of Famer. What do you guys think? Vado's Hall of Fame? Maybe. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I don't. I don't know. What do you think, Lou? Do you think Votto is uh, is Hall of Fame material? I don't know about Hall of Fame material. Well, at least not for a oh. shot. But you know, he is decent. All right, three hundred and fifty-six homers. 356 homers, 1,144 RBIs, uh, 294 average. I think we're qualified as Hall of Fame. I know it's going to be first ballot right away, but he's definitely going to get in at some point. I mean, numbers like that are not easy to come by. Just, I yeah, agree with Lou. Yeah, I totally agree. is definitely worth the Hall of Fame. I think, unfortunately, like a lot of great players see, uh, you know, a guy, an awesome, incredible yeah. player like Don Mattingly. The, those back injuries, man, once they grab a hold of you. I mean, Votto, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know the numbers in front of me, but once Votto started getting injured, it just snowballed. His last right. three or four years were just, you know, his last three or four years were just, you know, half the year on the DL. It just kind of, like, really put the damper on really Yeah, back on the Hall of Fame bid. You know, you could, you could add, you know, Definitely three or four much better years to those stats, and then maybe he's the first ballot. 
But yeah, it, I think eventually he'll get in. But I like what Lou said. Not not right away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he has. I think he has a chance. Um, six-time All-Star. He's a former MVP award winner, a former Hank, a former Hank Aaron award winner, oh, as well as a former Gold Glover. I think Good he'll resume. get in, but I agree with Lou. I don't think it'll be first ballot. I think it'll be more towards the end of the ballot, like maybe maybe seventh or eighth year, potentially. Third year. Third year? Yes. Eh, yeah, maybe. I guess I, I think I think it depends. If he retires now, yeah, I think there's. A, I just I, I don't know if he plays if he plays another season whether or not it'll uh, whether or not it'll affect his uh, his chances depending on how he goes yeah. out. We've seen that before. You know, if he hangs around a little little too long, it kind of goes south, and then he hits two. Two two oh five and you know bottoms out for like the Tigers or you know on a lower team and kind of hurts his reputation. If he goes out right now, I like his chances more. But he's not going to get any better. Yeah, he's forty. He's got a back a bad back. I mean, unfortunately, it's kind of the end of the road for him. But. You know, at the at, at the same at the same time, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if maybe maybe it's like a third ballot type of. Uh, but also, you know, we we have to take into account as well what other names may be on the ballot at that time too. Yeah, if you get if he does come back, I think uh, hometown and you know Blue Jays lefty DH, put him right there with uh, he he might be pretty good for a year maybe with uh, the Blue Jays if he does come back. I think. I think he'd go there, maybe. Yeah, I think they they need a DH, don't they? Because uh, yeah, what's his name? Brandon Belt, third, I believe, right? Yeah, they yeah. have Brandon Belt, who really Belt didn't do much at all. He's he's probably more injured than Votto. I know Votto's from Canada. Maybe if there's one spot he'd go to, he could just DH there. No, actually, no. Uh, Matt Chapman was playing third base. But Chapman's another good free agent. Uh, Vladi was playing oh, first. Yeah, oh, I mean, Vlado, okay, so, Vlado could DH. Okay, so I got, I got it mixed up. Vlad Guerrero plays first then. Yeah, not exactly a gold glover. So, I mean, Vado and him could, like, split DH, something like that. Who knows? Maybe he just retires, though. We'll see what Joey does. Funny guy. Yeah, but I, I mean, are, are you going to really take that bat out of the lineup, though? Vlad no, Guerrero? No, I'm saying split. No, never. I'm saying split time, uh, maybe like uh, between first base and DH. I mean, Bavado more of a DH. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, I could see that. I mean, is Vlad a good fielder? Not to sidetrack, but is Vlad is Guerrero known as a pretty good? Uh, is he known uh, as a pretty good fielder? Honestly, not really. I mean, he's kind of fifty-fifty. You know, he's had his fair share. Oh, I got you. Yeah, he's had his fair share of uh, of mishaps, but 
you know, I think I think Votto could potentially uh, could potentially uh, help with that somewhat. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, uh, we also got to talk about Dusty Baker officially retiring. Uh, yeah, following following after. his first World Series win, his first World Series win last year. And then uh, he got bounced in the ALCS this year. Uh, you know, it, it it almost sort of seems like we've been waiting for him to retire, basically. Like I have. Everybody thought. Everybody <laughs> thought yeah. that uh, after the Cincinnati years that maybe he might retire, but then he came back to coach Washington for two years. Uh, then. Then he came back in 2020 with Houston. Yeah, you know, it, it almost it almost seemed like uh, his retirement had been put off for quite a while. Yeah, he's getting up there. I know the sign thing is terrible. A lot of people hate the Astros. I don't like the Astros either. But hey, he did have a good career overall. But yeah, he's. I don't think at his age, he's not. I don't think he's going to suddenly resurface somewhere else. You're going to wrap it up with you. No. What, what are they won or lost? That was kind of the end of the road. I mean, that was the, the last last team he was going to lead as a manager. Oh, yeah, definitely. And now now literally the next stop is Cooperstown for him. Yeah, it yeah. got to be. Just, but, but when it comes to the players, I, they, the, some of those guys have asterisks next to, next to their names for that World Series, I think. But – yeah, it's basically uh, Cooperstown is basically uh, is basically next for him, uh, essentially. Uh, by the way, a pretty a cool dude, note, yeah. uh, The Rangers, uh, the Rangers went eleven and zero on the road this postseason, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Lou, uh, the first team all time to do that. Yes. Wow, remarkable. Eleven and zero. I mean, that's just massive. <laughs> that's tremendous. It's amazing. Yeah, that's to massive back to be. Just, just like a month or two, definitely two months ago. But recently, like a month, I wasn't really taking them for serious. Oh, they're in the playoffs. They have a good team. No one really saw them coming. I, I at least I didn't. Nope. As far as being the ultimate, you know, being the, the best in the world this year. Quite a job. Well, I can tell you, I definitely didn't see it coming. Um, so, yeah, it definitely, uh, it, de- it, it, it was basically, uh, it, it, it goes to show you what, what can happen when you put together a good enough team. Sure. Uh, also, the uh, the San Francisco Giants. Uh, the San Francisco Giants are poised to announce, and actually they actually did announce it already, uh, Bob Melvin, uh, the, pod, the former Padres manager, is now their next, uh, their next manager. Um, and now uh, it says that Mike Schilt and Ryan Flaherty are the leading internal candidates to fill the uh, Padres uh, manager vacancy as a result of this. Um, they can go coach. They can go coach Manny Machado and several billionaires who don't like to hustle that much. 
what a wreck of a roster that is right now. I, that's why their their manager left, and now they're going to move Soto. I guess they're in money problems too. The Padres are a mess right now. Oh yeah, yeah, they got big, they got big problems. So Soto is almost basically a lock to be moved at some point this off season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised hey, if there's more. Josh Hader's leaving. He doesn't want to be there either. He's a free agent. He's gone. Manager's gone. But they'll still have Manny. He and Manny out there. The Machado, not Ramirez. I mean, yeah, they're just kind of – that's the most talented roster I've seen in baseball that's never really done jack at all. I mean, the Potters are just such a major uh, underachieving group. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, don't rule out, uh, you know, this may seem kind of, uh, this may seem kind of uh, off the page a little bit, but do not rule out, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if they move on from Xander Bogarts, too. It's a weird fit again. So much money. Good player, really good player, but yeah. How many short stops do you need? Former short. I mean, yeah. They got to. I, I would just hit the reset button and just get younger. I don't know. And I guess they yeah, they have money problems something. too. They have major money problems. Well, they just signed like hundred, you know, eight hundred million dollars of short stops, and now they need money. Yeah. It's like, what are you guys doing in San Diego? What's in the water out there? I don't know. But uh, yeah. we do have some football. Uh, we do have some football talk to talk about. Uh, first off, the Vegas Raiders are officially cleaning house, firing both head coach Josh McDaniels as well as general manager Dave Ziegler, and also offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi. So basically, they are wiping away any sort of Patriots connection with the exception of Jacoby Myers. Uh, They're wiping out any sort of Patriots connection uh, that was part of this failed, uh, this failed regime between uh, McDaniels and Ziegler. By the way, from what I've heard, do not be surprised if McDaniels comes back to New England at some point. Yeah. They always come back as like a, Offensive uh, special assistant or analyst. Yep, consultant. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not he surprised was at all. Though. He was bad. He's, I think he's the first coach to be fired back-to-back during the season, Denver and Raiders. I read some pretty infamous statistic about him. He just did not look good as head coach. I think they're going to play fired up now. They have the former uh, great defense yeah. linebacker, Antonio Pierce. They didn't trade Devontae Adams. The Jets were trying to get him. But uh, yep. well, they didn't not have just a fire the, Not just the Jets. Not just the Jets, but there was also uh, – there were a couple of other teams in on Devontae Adams. Uh, oh, who else? You know, honestly, if anything, I'm more surprised that Ziegler got fired because Ziegler is more of a smart, a smart football mind when it comes to the, when it comes to the front office. So yeah. I'm surprised that they got rid of Ziegler uh, as well, uh, in addition to McDaniel's. Well, it's but, because Daniels is a Patriots connection. So Jimmy G, he's looked dreadful. Yeah. Maybe Ziegler insisted on bringing the, the corpse formerly known as Jimmy G. I mean, 
The guy couldn't stand upright or throw a spiral or really do anything. They're, he's benched now. So, I mean, yeah. That's another name that I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be he's surprised if he moves back to New England. Because New England originally didn't oh, want to get rid of Ziegler. Oh, uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, they originally didn't want to get rid of Ziegler, but Ziegler then moved over uh, to become the general manager of the Raiders. Uh, along with Josh McDaniel yeah. as head coach. Uh, Mick Lombardi, oh, okay. I mean, he's been – Lombardi has been replaced by Troy Brown. Uh, uh, you know, Patriot fans remember him for, for the three Super Bowls, yeah. uh, the, the yeah. original dynasty. Um, so I don't see Mick Lombardi having a place back on the Patriots, but – uh, you know, maybe as an offensive assistant, maybe he might be uh, brought back. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Patriots somehow bring back these, each of these three uh, after being fired. Jimmy G would, would not surprise too. me one bit. Max looks better. Still got plenty of season left. Yeah, you know, what I think is surprising, though, is that the Raiders are moving on from Jimmy G, and they're having Aiden O'Connell be the starter, and they're calling Aiden O'Connell their best quarterback, when yet, so far, every single game he's played, he looks like a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> Devontae Adams has got to live with that. He's still in Vegas. Devontae Adams, he's been so polite. He's irate. No one can get him a ball, and he's wide open. Literally, forty times a game, or no, at least you know a couple times. But I mean, come on, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash Jimmy G. Great career overall, but he's looked really bad yeah. with all these recent, these recent injuries. He looked really bad recently. I don't know. If you know, if I'm anymore. the Patriots, if I'm the Patriots, considering the fact that Aiden O'Connell, uh, uh, you know, targets Devontae Adams a lot more than Jacoby Myers. If I'm yeah. the Patriots this offseason, I dangle a draft pick in front of the Raiders to see if they'll bite and, and uh, send back uh, Jacoby Myers. Yeah, he looks really good. Time for DeMario Douglas. And the reason up. why I say that, the reason why I say that is because the Patriots are now without Kendrick Bourne, who is out for the season uh, yeah. with – with uh, with a uh, torn ACL. Big loss. And what sucks even more about that is he was having uh, – he was pacing for a breakout season this year with the start that he was off to. But now – and not just that, in a contract year, no less. So now he's yeah. going to have to settle. Now he's going to have to settle for a reduced deal in in free agency. Yeah, injuries are just awful anytime. But throwing the fact that it's also his walk year, where that, that's costing him million dollars, millions of dollars right there. That injury, it's horrible. Yep, it certainly is. Worst part of sports, uh, I would also, say. Also, another player too, though, who is in a contract year, Kirk Cousins, out for the yeah. year with a torn Achilles. And he's and awesome what is, he's looking awesome recently. He looked really good lately. Oh. Yep. 
and what what is what is entirely possibly his final game as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so now Josh Dobbs. It looks like uh, after the Vikings acquired Josh Dobbs uh, at the trade deadline, uh, looks like Dobbs will compete with Jaron with Jaron Hall. Uh, and veteran Nick Mullins to see who will be the starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. Huh. Yeah, that was really unfortunate, man. Cousins really was proving the critics wrong. They had that huge Monday night win, and then, you know, they, they were showing really good improvement suddenly, and then, boom, injury fit. You guys like him overall to be like a playoff quarterback, or is Cousins more just like a – good fantasy quarterback who lights it up but then shrinks, shrinks under pressure. What do you guys think of Cousins? Mm. Kind of mixed. I'm mixed on him. Yeah, kind of mixed. Yeah, you know, I... I think he's good. The problem like is awesome. is that he doesn't show up... He doesn't show up in prime time. Yeah. That's, the, that's his big issue. Yeah. And it's been that way. It's not like it's been that way with Minnesota. It's been that way his entire career. Yep. Yeah, he's been on some good teams. Yeah. But, I mean, 18 touchdowns, 18 touchdowns, five picks with a 4-4 four and four record this year. Uh, he completed 69% of his passes, or 69.5% of his passes uh, for 2,331 yards before – uh, he was done for the year with an ACL. Oh, I mean, with a uh, Achilles. Uh, Achilles. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The thing for me is, it kind of seems like he was sort of trending for a down year, a little bit passing wise, like as far as passing yards go. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, be interested to see where he ends the up. Thing, the, thing with Cousins, the thing with Cousins is, I mean, he's somebody I could realistically, if the Patriots decide to move on from uh, from Mac and they decide, well, fuck it, we're not going to take, uh, you know, if we have the number one pick, we're not going to take a uh, quarterback. We're going to take, uh, like, say, Marvin Harrison Jr. or something. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Cousins. Yeah, Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots take a flyer on him if they decide to move on from Mac Jones and not take the quarterback in the draft. Great call too. That idea of taking Marvin Harrison, the son of the great Marvin Harrison. Yeah, he he looks like the best wide receiver since Randy Moss. Imagine that how how badly the Patriots could use him, like a just a star number one receiver. Away, huge. They but should then do that. Again, but then again, though, this is Bill Belichick, and we all know that he hates offense. So, naturally, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. going to take a defensive player. From Wichita State. Yeah. Or or some some, some bumfuck uh, university from out, in, from out in the blue. Yeah. Got to outsmart everyone with the draft. No, I mean, I think that, that's a good idea, Steve. I would uh, – Cousins and a, and a – Bonafide number one receiver. That'd be that'd be looking nice. Demario Douglas is coming on too. Yeah, Let's see what they do. And by the way, speaking of Belichick, uh, it's been reported that he apparently signed a lucrative multi-year new contract in the off season. 
And so basically he is being locked up long term. Uh, and essentially, even though they're sitting at two and six, this basically, uh, you know, with all the rumors about his job security uh, being thrown out there, this is basically, I find it very interesting that this information gets released. That all of a sudden, yeah. you know, oh, it's revealed, oh, I, he, we signed him to a lucrative multi-year deal in the offseason. Is that a Apparently, was it just a rumor? Was it official? New deal form. Oh no, it is official. It is official. I Ian thought, Rappaport I thought for reported some reason, it. I thought it was, and then I was like, "Wait a second! I never really looked at it twice." Wow, interesting. He's, cause he's come under such heat recently. Wow. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I find it interesting. I find I find it interesting that this is reported before they beat the Bills. Yeah, it is weird. Now, what I find weird, though, as well, is that normally stuff involving Belichick's contract is normally one of the most closely guarded secrets around New England. So now all of a sudden this news comes out. I mean, if anything, this had to be straight from Belichick because, you know, Ian Rappaport, when Belichick wants something out there, he gives it to Rappaport. He doesn't give it to any of the other reporters. He gives it straight to Rappaport. So the fact that Rappaport reported this first and not Schefter, it shows it's coming straight from Belichick, that Belichick wants to quash that rumor uh, that he may be potentially on the hot seat. Um, And by the way, he's still 28 wins away from Don Shula, despite winning a career win number 300 against Buffalo, which honestly, that's a game they should have lost. But... Yeah, how many uh, wins? 28 wins away. So he's he's 28 wins, wins away from tying Shula. If they go 9-7 and seven or whatever it is, 17 games draft, 9-8, and eight. if they're a nine-win team for three years, he can get there. Or obviously he can get there quicker if they, have a, you know, if they bounce back and really start drafting. Well, so he's about three years away, maybe three or four years from the record. Unless they, you know, unless they go all, nuclear, unless they really – kick ass next year and win 13 games. You, you want to there for another three or four years? Maybe you can turn it around. Uh, I mean, the coach, yeah. The GM, I don't th- I mean, unless something happened to where Belichick, uh, you know, because apparently there's some sort of stipulation in this new deal that isn't being talked about, but it sounds like it's something like once he passes Shula, then he'll retire or something like that. Uh, but I wonder if maybe perhaps he's also giving up his GM uh, uh, duties as well. Yeah, I mean, he gets a lot of flack. I've given him some heat too, but, I mean, hats off to him when he gets that record. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Bummer hate him, I mean. That a storied career. Yeah, I mean, you could still go. Yeah, Pete Carroll's sure. around the same age. He's, and the Seahawks are playing great suddenly. Pete Carroll's, you know, found, found that spark again. So maybe Bill, maybe maybe they can get back to the playoffs before he's done. Good shot. Belichick Good the after. coach. Bel, Belichick the coach is fine. Belichick the GM is a different situation. Right. Yeah. It's too much on his plate, too, I think. But, yeah, if he just make it easier and 
don't have the guy doing 80 different things, have him be really good again at just being a head coach. I mean, I guarantee you any other, t- any other general manager with the, with the team being two and six and in the AFC like it is, I guarantee you any other general manager would have sold players at the deadline this year. Yes. But instead, instead Belichick, Belichick values his players, and I gave this analogy on Lou's show, on Lou's show earlier today. Say yep. a team offers a third-round pick for a player at a fair value. Like, say, say there's a player that's worth a third-round yeah. pick and they offer a third-round pick. Belichick would want a second-round pick in return. He inflates, he inflates his, his player's value. Yep. Yeah, I remember you made a good point on Lucia. Yeah, he's going to be hard to trade with. Some some people are like yeah. that. They'd be better off with a guy who's just focused on GM. And tough to do both. And do, and do not be surprised. Uh, there, there are quite a few players that they could have offloaded who are on contract years this year. Do not be surprised if each one of those players leaves in free agency. Won't surprise me. I mean, Mike Mike Donwenu is one of those players. Josh Uche is one of those players, and I know I know how the how the Eagles were uh, were linked to Uche before they ended up getting uh, Kevin Byard from uh, from Tennessee for a fifth and sixth round pick. Oh, uh, they were in on Uche. Um, you know, there's there's quite those moves are just. I was just going to say, some of those moves are just mind-numbing, though. Some of the – I mean, I heard Byers was on, a, like, an all-pro all safety, and they gave up, like, a six-rounder for him. It's a just weird. Some of, these, six some of these moves. Yeah. And then the Redskins, I mean, lose buddy Steve, our buddy Steve on Lou's show before was talking about, you know, imagine being yeah. a, a Commanders fan. They just traded their two best defensive players in the same day, yeah. I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, two yeah, awesome, that's right. Awesome. Uh, They're two best pass rushers. Yeah, Chase, it's like see you later. Yeah, it's uh it's Chase uh Chase Young went to the Niners for a third round pick and Montez Sweat yeah. went to I think it was the Bears for a second round pick. Exactly. Yeah, it's just uh, a lot of a lot of activity. A lot more trading in the NFL Which, than there ever used to be. Yeah. Which to be fair though, I understand the Montez Sweat value. Uh, a second round pick uh, for the type of production he was putting up. Uh, I mean, first round pick. You know, you, you. I don't know if that if that would be too much for a player like Sweat. Um, but Chase Young, though, I mean, that just goes to show you how much injuries have really diminished his value. The fact yeah, that uh, he's a former a former second overall pick and he gets traded. Uh, for a third rounder. Yeah, he was supposed to be like the next big pass rushing sensation. A couple years later, with some injuries, now he gets traded for a third rounder. Crazy. Now, to be fair though, he is now reunited with his former Ohio State Buckeye teammate Nick Bosa. Mm. Wow, they were pretty dangerous together at Ohio yeah. State. Niners and now talent, he's man. with the, and now he's back there with the Niners. Uh, the Niners definitely improved there, and as far as the Bears go, 
well, let's just put it this way. That ju- it just goes to show that uh, they weren't willing to give uh, – the commanders weren't willing to give Sweat a contract extension like the Bears just gave him. Yeah, exactly. Like the commanders – I think it was like – I think it was like what a four-year deal. Yeah, four years, not ninety. Like pretty much twenty-five million a year. I think the commanders are just cleaning shop. They're just getting that dirty case out of their mouth from uh, the Dan Snyder debacle. <laughs> They're just totally starting over. Right, and you know there were rumors that maybe perhaps uh, I don't know why, but this came out of nowhere from Pro Football Talk this week. That the that the uh, the Commanders would try to trade for Bill Belichick's contract in the off season. Whoa. Wow, that would be a move. Because mm-hmm. it's expected that they're probably going to get rid of Ron Rivera in the off season, and they would want to bring in somebody like Belichick to lead the team as they try to make, like, this big push uh, to get back, uh, you know, to get back into playoff contention. Um, Yeah. I don't know why that rumor came up all of a sudden, but uh, there wasn't really any traction behind it from what it sounds like. So, yeah, needless to say, um, nothing's happening there. Uh, another team, another team who made a big move uh, in the NFC, the uh, the Seahawks. They got Leonard Williams from the Giants in exchange for a second round pick and a fifth round pick. The second round pick this year, the fifth round pick next year. Uh, which I gotta say, uh, for the for the lack of production he was putting up, uh, I think the Giants honestly got a bit of a steal here with this deal. Yeah, it's right. and, also, and also Barkley, from Barkley to Daniel Jones, I, mean, I was just going to quickly say that Giants really this season is lost. So then they really, they only, I guess I was hearing on WFN the other day, they only had five or six draft picks coming yeah. up. So, you know, they, they move Williams. Right. They, they had a couple of draft picks. So it's a really smart move by the Giants. You just got to, you got to, you got to get draft capital when you, when it's time. And also the big thing here, too, is that it says that the Giants will basically pay the remainder of Williams' contract in exchange for that better pick being a second-round pick. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, for a team like the Seahawks, who are already limiting opponents to 96.9 rush yards per game, so now you add a player like Leonard Williams to that defensive line. You know, the Seahawks, if anything, just got better with this deal. While granted giving up a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick, uh, if, the C- if a team like the Seahawks see the potential to actively make a push towards a potential Super Bowl appearance, uh, it's worth giving up that type of price tag. Definitely. Yeah, the Oxford back, I definitely see them as a playoff team this year. They're looking good. Uh, also, 
the uh, Buffalo Bills, they acquired cornerback Razul Douglas and a fifth-round pick from the Packers in exchange for a third-round pick. Uh, and obviously, this is this will help out with Tre'Davious White being out with a torn Achilles. And also, apparently, uh, from what I've from what I've read, uh, he wasn't the only Packer potentially on the move at the deadline. As apparently, there were a couple of other Packers being talked about. Uh, defensively, Preston Smith being one and Devondre Campbell being another, uh, though nothing seemed to materialize from those uh, from those two. But apparently those two names were being thrown around as well uh, at the deadline. Also, the uh, the Jaguars they improved, uh, getting Ezra Cleveland from the Vikings uh, in exchange for I think it was like a late round pick swap or something. Yep. Uh, the Lions. The Lions got uh, Donovan Peoples Jones in exchange for a sixth round pick in twenty twenty five. You know, for a team that's already as good as they are this year. Uh, now they get a more physical receiver after Marvin Jones Jr. stepped away from football. That's right. Um, the Vikings, they as I said, they got Joshua Dobbs uh, and a conditional seventh-round pick in exchange for a sixth-round pick. Uh, the Falcons, they acquired Contavious Street and a 2025 seventh-round pick from the Eagles in exchange for a conditional sixth-round pick this year. Uh, and the uh, the condition is contingent on Street playing at least six games for the Falcons, which I guess makes sense because Street was more of a backup, I believe, anyways, for the Eagles. Yeah, definitely the best the- – the fun right. part for me as a fan, I mean, the Eagles just have a – they have seven or eight really good defensive linemen. So, he was kind of like just on the bench. So, it was a good move for both teams. Which the yeah. Eagles had more secondary help, but they need more secondary help. But, yeah, they have a good D-line, so he was kind of expendable. Falcons are looking pretty good, uh, too. The, Jet- good uh, the Jets, they signed uh, guard Roger Saffold to a contract. Um says that he will first join the practice squad, but it looks like uh, the intent is to promote him in the near future to the active roster after they ended up placing two injured, uh, two offensive linemen on injured reserve. Uh, Saffold last played for the Bills back in 2022, starting 16 games at left guard. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett suffered a torn ACL in their loss to the Titans, officially ending his season. Uh, But he is kept under control through 2025, so uh, he will be with the team for at least the next two years anyway. The Bills, uh, they have signed running back Leonard Fournette pending a physical. Uh, so, 
basically, uh, I guess it's basically to sort of lessen the load on James Cook after the uh, injury to Damian Harris that took place. Uh, we do have some other uh, some other injury news. It looks like Matthew Stafford will be out for the Rams uh, this week mm-hmm. due to a thumb injury. Uh, so Brett Ripien will get the start for LA against the Packers. Uh, the the <laughs> Dolphins they. I I said I don't know about that. I mean, Riffin, his dad. I think it wasn't his dad. A, his dad played for the Skins, and they won a Super Bowl. Is it the same Mark Riffin? I don't know if it's it's, it's that's his son, but I I think we remember him um, playing in Denver. That he played in Denver. This guy. I mean, it's a huge step down from Stafford. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's the nephew of uh, Mark Riffin. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's what it, that's what it says here at least. Uh, okay. The Dolphins they activated uh, offensive tackle Taron Armstead from injured reserve, so he is good to go uh, for a team that's banged up uh, that's banged up on the offensive line. Uh, oh, Tyrod Taylor is now on injured reserve, so Tommy DeVito. Oh boy! Uh, if if Daniel Jones isn't playing, <laughs> that Tommy DeVito will be the quarterback moving forward. God help us all. However, yeah, though they did, they did get back Jones this week, so it looks like Jones will start officially. I'm sorry, with the, with, with DeVito. Yeah, I think too soon to have him back. He went to Don Bosco Prep. He's, a, I think he's from Jersey, his hometown, like Giants fan, his whole family. But it's not fair. I mean, how do you have him on the roster? And they literally would not even allow him to even attempt a pass. It was like a fan won a contest and like was just playing for a day. Like, if he's good enough to be on your team, does does that make sense? Like, they would not even throw once with him. Why is he a? I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then, and then they lost the Jets. It's like, let him throw once or twice. Uh, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Right up there. Uh, Maybe have a better backup then. Also, too, it says here that the Giants did place Darren Waller on injured reserve, uh, so he will miss the next four games uh, for aggravating a hamstring injury that has plagued him the past two seasons. So it looks like Daniel Bellinger will be the starting tight end moving forward for the uh, for the Giants here. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Any other notable – oh, uh, what's it called? The Patriots, they placed Calvin Anderson on injured reserve with a illness. It doesn't say exactly what type of illness, but he, but he is now officially on injured reserve. Uh, there is a rumor. I don't know if it's confirmed, but there is a rumor going around that he was recently diagnosed with cancer. I don't know if that's yeah. official, but – uh, Devontae Parker is out for this week against the Commanders. So now Juju Smith-Schuster and Demario Douglas are now the starting wide receivers for the Patriots. Um, with Kayshawn Boutte likely to see uh, playing time as well tomorrow. Uh, looks like 
Looks like Kyler Murray will not be activated by Arizona. So uh, Clayton Toon is likely going to get the start at quarterback for, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. And let me see. Kyler Murray's still playing Call of Duty. He's not ready yet. Well, yeah, they 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 literally did just release that new Call of Duty game. So yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> He's playing multiplayer. Yeah, that's probably well. No, multiplayer isn't available yet, but. Uh, he's probably playing yeah. the new campaign for Modern Warfare 3 that just came out. So He'll be back to the Cardinals when he's ready, when he feels like it. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, the Giants signed Cade York, who previously mm-hmm. played with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so now... <laughs> So, well, now after they lost Graham Gano to a season-ending knee injury, uh, oh, right. he will now he will now battle with Randy Bullock for the starting job. Oh, uh, okay. And so honestly, I felt I felt like York's I felt like uh, Cleveland shouldn't have gotten rid of York to begin with. Yeah, because he was a pretty good kicker for them last year. So maybe right. the, Gi- the Giants may have potentially solved their problems here. Yeah. But anyways, uh that's gonna do it for uh for tonight's show. Um it's good good for us to get to get through the uh to get through three hours uh for once here. Um but uh just a reminder we will be back next week for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh and also a programming note, obviously Survivor fans. Uh, every Thursday night, we have the Survivor 45 Recap Podcast. And for Big Brother fans, I know we were off last night, but uh, this upcoming Friday will be the Big Brother 25 Finale Podcast. So the final Big Brother podcast of the season will be this upcoming Friday night. We will re- uh, Melissa and I will recap everything. Uh, All right. everything from this season and uh, yeah, needless to say uh, thank God the, se- the season couldn't come to an end any sooner um, but just a reminder, if you guys haven't done so yet, you can join the Whispers groups by going to Facebook and searching for either Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, or Sports Whispers uh, and get in on the conversation there uh, you can also subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or by uh, following us on any of our major podcast networks like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I do want to thank Lou, uh, Alex, and Diane for joining me this week. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a great uh, rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night. Thanks.